0: Welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and joined today by Richie Von Sexington. How's it going, Richie? Good, thanks for having me back. No, absolutely. Um, looking forward to having you on. You've been looking forward to coming on the show? Uh, yeah, I, I am
1: looking forward to seeing why you picked these two shows. <laughs> I have a feeling it's probably because I picked King uh, the Fingerpoke of Doom. Uh, For my pick, and that was a three-hour-long night show no one ever needed to see.
0: (laughs) Well, actually, I consider it a bit of a fair trade-off. So you gave me one of the most historic shows in the history of wrestling. That Mankind title win with the flipping of the channels is still spoken about to this day. That's true. Alternatively, King of the Ring 95, one of the most talked-about shows in the history of wrestling, still talked about to this day. (laughs) For for, for slightly different reasons, I feel, but uh, (laughs) there you go. That's why we're flashing back into 1995, despite just about escaping its clutches with the last episode. One more to go after this, and we're into 96, mercifully. I said this is as good a place as any to have a look at what was the year of 1995.
1: Definitely. I think that uh, even skipping back pre-Nitro, you can definitely tell there's a difference in WCW. Yeah, oh, big it's time. A, it, and uh, the, 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 just the people they've got wrestling, even at that point, and it still looks... Very different to where, where Nitro starts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nitro certainly moves everything production-wise, storyline-wise, the whole bar, I think. I suppose we should actually let everyone know what shows we are reviewing here, too, since we're, we're getting into this year. So um, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's The King of the Ring 1995, up against the, that month's pay-per-view from WCW, which was The Great American Bash. Uh, two shows that sort of really capture what 1995 was all about, I feel, for both companies
1: there isn't there is no other way to show 1995 but for these two shows i think not just for wrestling but just society in general
0: yep i agree completely we hadn't yet got to the society's attitude era (laughs) that's a that's a a spin-off podcast yeah wrestling societies stone cold and bill clinton both still hadn't quite got got over yet
1: no not yet
0: um, so the two shows we've got, as I said, Great American Bash and King of the Ring, a um, little rundown of where they stood as far as the head-to-head goes. So the Great American Bash came from the Hara Arena in Daytona, Ohio, and it drew an attendance of 6,000 with a 0.51 buy rate equating to 160,000 buys. The King of the Ring came to us from the Spectrum in Philadelphia, another city i visited, uh, 16,590 in attendance, so a whopping 10 and a bit thousand more. Andrew, a zero point six five buy rate, two hundred and four thousand buys. So, hands down in both the attendance categories, there, both at the gate and on pay per view.
1: I think looking at the crowds, you can you can tell that uh, when you're watching the pay per views, there's, there's a significant lack of people at the WCW one. or certainly feels it.
0: Oh, yeah, it, it seems very low-rent, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> that was a very
0: polite way of putting it, yeah. It, look, it was a little bit low-rent. In a, in a way, though, I, I don't know if the big crowd did the King of the Ring any favours because watching these shows, I saw it as a little bit of a turning point where the crowd at all was back to the WWF, and this might be one of the moments where they went, hang on a minute, let's see what's on the other side.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, if you've seen King of the Ring and then you hear uh, that a new wrestling show starting you're going to watch the first episode at least the first episode of Nitro and then the first episode of Nitro is 45 minutes I've, I mean I've, it's been a while since I watched it but it's it, it ain't boring <laughs> I mean for, for, for what, 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 what they put on it's not it's not a boring show you can see why people are going yeah I'm, I'm going to try the alternative here Oh yeah,
0: I, I much, I'm I'm enjoying Nitro thoroughly. Uh, there's been very. There's been a few not so great episodes so far in '95, but on the on the whole, it's been good television.
1: I remembered because uh, I started doing my timeline with the first Nitro and working through, and for a great many weeks, Nitro and I'm also watching ECW. Even ECW's better, and I'm, I'm not the world's biggest fan of the ECW show, mostly because it's clips and uh, the Reservoir Dogs music.
0: <laughs> and the production's awful as well. I can tell you from the yeah, back.
1: Yeah, but but those I look forward to, and then you get to Roar, and you are like, oh, really? Uh, it's just, it's just. I mean, it's, we're not saying anything that hasn't been well documented, but uh, the Fed had absolutely no idea what they were doing in night five, and uh, probably quite a bit in ninety
0: six. Isn't it ironic that it's been now probably over twenty years where people wished that Paul Heyman had Vince McMahon's budget?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean you just Heyman's ability to just get the best out of people especially I mean the period in 95 probably if you if you went back and watched uh, ECW not that I say you should do but for that period in 95 where you've got Mick Foley leaving you've got uh, in ECW and then leaving for the Fed you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin as just studying Steve in ECW and watching like his genesis towards a Stone Cold character and then him going to Uh, the fed and you just watch what he manages to do with these people he's just it's just ridiculously talented i mean you wouldn't give him a budget actually because he can't handle them it doesn't (laughs) seem i've never tried to run uh ecw so maybe it was just an impossible beast to try and uh, keep on budget it probably was
0: Alright, so coming into the shows, um, before we get started, just a quick plug, um, as well as being on Twitter and Facebook, as I've mentioned on every show, we've just set up an email account for the show this week, it is rawisnitropod at hotmail.com, so if anyone ever wants to share some thoughts on the show and you don't want it tweeted where everyone can see it, feel free to drop us a line, Uh, anything you want read out on the show, we will oblige and do so, and before we go into these shows, I don't know if I mentioned it before, did I tell you why I really wanted to do King of the Ring 95 for me? Uh, no, I just thought it was some cruel and unusual punishment. I actually do have one more teaser before we kick off. When I moved to Australia in 1991 as a, as a young boy, um, we in Australia in the early 90s, not many people had what's called over here pay TV like Sky. Um, so access to wrestling was okay at the start because the tapes were still hot in the video shops here. As the mid-90s came around and the sort of... the popularity of it dulled the tapes stopped coming into the video stores so 1995 i've not seen anything for probably a good since about SummerSlam 94 i think and um an uncle of mine in england mailed me over a tape and it was king of the ring 95 and i've never been so excited to get a package in the mail as i was to have an, a fresh wrestling pay-per-view and then it opened up watched it and it was probably the worst pay-per-view up until that point of all time so it's did you, uh, you man. manage to wear the tape Oh, I still watched it five or six times because it was the only new thing I had. I um, I had another funny story about this show actually. I that for that month or probably not for that month, coming up to that month was one of the few times I found in the News Agent a WWF magazine as well, and it was a rundown of the tournament. In um, they were all given like mock-up names, so like rather than Mabel, he was called La Bomb, which was you know just change the letters around, and um, <laughs> they gave them all goofy names and made like a fictional sort of medieval version of the tournament in this magazine so had two bits of trivia for this one and it still sucks (laughs) i don't want to give too much away but yeah
1: your, your, your analysis is pretty close
0: yeah so i don't know which order you watched them in but i got the great american bash over and done with first so is did you watch them in that order or the other way around I did it the other way around. I thought I would
1: save the Great American Bash to share with my wife because there's nothing she loves more than a bit of CW. WCW. <laughs> and I, I couldn't be more sarcastic if I tried there.
0: <laughs> all right, well, in that case then, let's head to King of the Ring first and check out one of the most infamous shows of all time. So we're at King of the Ring 1995 in Philadelphia. Um, the King of the Ring tournament at this stage is still an eight-man tournament on pay-per-view, and the road these men led to get there included the Roadie beating Doink the Clown, Mabel defeating Adam Bomb, The Undertaker defeating Jeff Jarrett, Kama defeating Duke the Dumpster Drosy, Shawn Michaels beating King Kong Bundy, Bob Holly beating Manta, Yokozuna defeating Lex Luger. And Razor Ramon beating Jacob Blue, so a bit of a who's who of wrestlers there.
1: I mean, I, I'm, I'm upset we didn't do the qualifiers, especially considering I've never seen Manta.
0: You've never seen Manta? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's time that I go back a bit further, maybe. I can't believe they had Lex Luger not make it to pay-per-view, and they had Roddy and Bob Holly make it to pay-per-view.
1: I have many of these. I can't believe that they used this person instead. <laughs> Lex is a glaring one given what he does in probably less than three months
0: yeah absolutely and just like the Yokozuna Lex Luger match if that was advertised as a quarter final could have brought in a few more people that was still a pretty hot program less than a year before this yeah definitely and
1: uh, he wouldn't have maybe not have jumped and that first Nitro would have lost all it's ooh it's unpredictable you never quite know what's going to happen on Nitro I've got to watch
0: yeah, you've got to assume he lost a few dollars not being on this pay-per-view. Yeah. So the show itself opens up with an Americana hype video that the WWF is very renowned for. We've all seen it, and if we don't live in America, roll our eyes pretty often at it.
1: What I thought was really weird about it is he's going on about the independence of, of the United States from, from Britain, uh, and then they're having a King of the Ring tournament. Which is a monarchy. I thought it was really weird. Yeah, president of the
0: ring. That's what he should be. <laughs> well, we've kind of got one of them now, haven't we, with Donald Trump?
1: Well, that's a whole, again, that's a whole different uh, can of worms. Yeah, we'll
0: leave that one for another day. We open up with Stephanie Wyan. I've never heard of her. Have you heard of her before?
1: No, she was scary. <laughs>
0: well. And she's opens up and gives us what she describes as a special treat, a bonus match for Coliseum Home Video, and it's a match that Savio Vega used to qualify in the absence of Razor Ramon through injury, Savio Vega against IRS. So have you ever heard of a more fitting match to be described as a special treat?
1: I, 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 I had to pause it and make sure I've sat perfectly in front of the TV so I could take in in its full glory. What I didn't understand is two things. I didn't uh, realise IRS was still there, uh, because I figured he was Michael Wall Street at this point, because that's a great gimmick. (laughs) Uh, Also, I don't understand Savio Vega unless he's doing a strap match with the ringmaster,
0: which is what I thought that's all he did. Um, Gang Wars, for me, is about the only other Savio Vega memory I've got. Los Bariquas...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just when I, that's when I first started. And I was like, I don't quite understand what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I've sat through so many strap matches of uh, between him and Stone Cold Steve Austin when you get to 96. It's something you can look forward to.
0: It's one of the... I think, it, I think I may have been one of the... Said on the podcast, I'm one of the few people that didn't really enjoy that. It might have been the one I did with Mark, actually, talking about making fun of his Savio Vega T-shirt. So when he gets around to listening to this, it's still pathetic. <laughs> but, <laughs> But this wasn't much better. Um, my notes here just say this pay-per-view is bad enough, but a fourth fucking Savio Vega match. Are you kidding me? It's,
1: I, I honestly can't understand what Vince or whoever was in the booking committee thought. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's do an injury angle with, with Savio Vega. Well, not an injury, a, a run to the finals and we'll pick Savio. Yeah,
0: this was awful. So, as, as I alluded to earlier, raises out IRS and Savio before the show are vying for his spot on the pay-per-view. So, that's what this is all about. And we pretty much go straight from that introduction into the match. Savio Vega against IRS. Um, and Matt Classic, this is not. <laughs> IRS opens oh. up. Sorry, go on. I was say, I've just got a bit of a nothing match. Yeah. I've, it's really just your very, very basic offense here. A slam by IRS and small packages and sunset flips, schoolboys by Savio. Hip toss, drop kicks, another slam, um, punches, elbows, a suplex. And then I've got here IRS tries to leave the ring and Savio Vega, the fucking idiot that he is, still assuming he thinks he's going to win and he backs himself. He knows he's got three more matches this evening. So rather than let IRS take the count out loss and exit the tournament, he runs very Yep, runs down the aisle, grabs him, and throws him back in the ring.
1: Wrestling logic, this and the one, two, no, no, I'm not going to pin you in this blood feud. I'm going to pick you up and beat you up more. <laughs> two things are just, it's like, I can disbelieve uh, many things when it comes to wrestling, because that's the point of it, but those are like, nah, nah, just just, just because you're a baby face, you can still take a count out win, just do it, just take it.
0: It's not like it's a title match. He has zero to gain by bringing him back in the ring. Absolutely nothing.
1: No, no, just get rid of him.
0: I mean, it's not like um, you talk any sports. It's not like you put Sergio Aguero on the ball and the goalkeeper gets his shoe caught in the net. He's not going to stop and let him up. He's going to put the ball in the net.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then there'll be that whole sportsmanship discussion, which will be pointless, uh, but you'll still have got a goal.
0: Correct. Absolutely. So he brings (laughs) him back in. Thankfully, though, it doesn't cost him too much because he hits him with his finisher—the big spinning heel kick for the one, two, three—and it was pretty shit.
1: Another pet peeve of mine: I don't like spinning heel kick finishes. It's it's just just that whole like, even when well, one, two, three kick, but then like six packs doing it. I just think they're far better than that. They could come. It's like oh, I'm just going to do this as a finish. And it's like, well, you've been kicking him the rest of the match. It's not... Very rarely seems to stick out to me. It might just be a, I have a very specific list of pet
0: uh, hates. I love the move, but I can't say I ever considered it a devastating finisher. So I kind of understand where you're coming from there. Anyway, so we go into the pay-per-view, and it's a um, commentary team of Vince McMahon and, well, Doc Hendricks. Um, <laughs> just awful. And I just, I've just i just got in my notes. Doc Hendricks on commentary. Now I'm worried. <laughs> I mean, he's no um, Art Donovan from the year before this, but still. No. How much does he weigh? <way>. Is that <laughs> Art Yeah, How much does this fellow weigh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, true record well, crap there.
1: The thing I can't believe, I've not watched a lot of W T C W with the Freebirds. Uh, but you know, I think we've all probably watched a documentary on, on how the Freebirds, and in particular... Uh, Michael Hayes was such a charismatic uh, heel, so quite
0: revolutionary.
1: And, and then they've got him as Doc Hendricks, who is just this kind of
0: shill man. He is a chill. Very... That's all I see from doing this show. He has sold me everything from PlayStation games to denim jackets to cardboard cutouts. I mean, I think
1: he proves that he's probably a proper wrestler because someone offered him a, some, lots of money to do less work, and that, that's that's kind of like I like that.
0: I don't mind so, him as you know, an actual, like, a backstage interviewer. I think he's got good delivery and a good voice for that. It's just you can't listen to three hours of a gimmick, basically. No. Plus,
1: uh, he, he, I've got to give him credit, because to be able to change your character so radically from... Like, say, I haven't watched a lot, but I don't think he was like this when he was with the Freebirds. No, first.
0: definitely not. He was very much the ultra-cool southern rocker.
1: And if you if you look actually look at him, he doesn't look look like that always. Oh, i've got to give him credit he, he, he's done a good job i don't like it but he's done a good job
0: he <laughs> looks like an extra from peter k's phoenix Knights or something like that yeah yeah he wouldn't
1: look out of place in like a 1990s save by the bell or something as the as a teacher that that's forever getting bullied by the kids
0: yes so, moving on from the commentary team, Vince, I do like, by the way, just before we go on from there. The first match is actually the 641 pound now, we're told, Yoko Zuda. Up against. He's yeah, second... Oh, he's big, and he's looking it. Uh, up against the man returning for his second match immediately after his first, Savio Vega. You can't, can't get enough Vega. No. Vegas. Vegas. no um, and Todd Pettengale is backstage with Razor Ramon and Savio to do a quick sound bite before we go into the match. And. Um, savio vega fills us with confidence and really fires up the crowd when he says i guarantee one thing it's gonna be hard but i'm gonna try
1: yeah i just have be- savio vega says baby face baby face baby face, baby face while razor ramon choosing a toothpick
0: <laughs> it's all i can take from that section that's pretty much it um and he does the, the typical foreigner babyface stance as he comes out holding his flag with the american flag on the other side um I don't know why to be a good guy you have to sort of half turn your back on your own country. But that's the way it is in America.
1: It, uh, it hasn't changed even now. Even to the fact that the crowds will
0: sing USA to a Canadian wrestler because they're a face. We get a bit of a slow start with Savio just bouncing off. Did, uh, just to go back, did, did you notice Jeff and Matt at the doors?
1: No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I paused it later on and I'm sure it's Jeff and Matt Hardy opening the, uh, the doors in those stupid outfits.
0: I think it is. I remember, I vaguely remember um, later on down the road, um, not to give any spoilers away about who wins this King of the Ring, but a rather large man being carried on his throne with Jeff Hardy being definitely one of the ones carrying him. Um, Jeff's one of the ones. I think Rhino's another one I spotted carrying him during this era. Savio's bouncing off him. Yoko misses an elbow. Um, and we get 10 head-to-the-buckle head spots, Savio banging Yoko's head. And then he hits his big heel kick finisher, which you're so fond of. Oh, yes. Love it. Um, And just a note here, Yokozuna, see, we get a close-up of him going down here, and I notice he's only got tiny feet. They must suffer.
1: (laughs) It's certainly the size he is is currently in this video. Uh, Yeah, that can't be pleasant.
0: And he he does come back on offense here, though, so he's still got a little something in the tank. He hits a nice snapmare and the dreaded nerve hold of death, a Yokozuna favorite.
1: I've got to admit For the size Yoko is he, I honestly thought He could still work Pretty well I mean Given That uh He, he is about the size Of half a bus, he, He's not he, I wasn't bored Which I thought I probably would do At this point
0: He's actually pretty agile um, I'll give him that I just wouldn't Want to see him And Mangina Masters of the Power Bomb Revisited with the nerve holds No 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 Doof. Yoko throws Savio Over the top rope And um Doc rightly wonders about the stamina of Yokozuna as we're talking about this here. I don't see him going three matches. Two at Mania nearly killed him. Yeah. Um, he hits a nice slam and then a, misses a leg drop, which would have probably killed Savio at this point. And we get a USA chant. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes, sir. I know it's... Uh... Um, Jim Cornette's the only American at ringside, so I guess they're big Smoky Mountain fans at this point.
1: Well, I think Puerto Rico kind of is something... American, but I don't think it's like a state. It's a, I can't remember what it is. I should have really looked it up, but even then, it's a very tenuous link.
0: Yeah, I'm doing my best to alienate all the American viewers, so we'll just carry on down this path. Um, and we get a, a, a Sabio Vega attempt, attempts to chop the tree down, I meant to write there, with four clotheslines and another heel kick um, before he nails Jim Cornette, typical babyface move. We get some outside brawling as we skip past whatever spot I've just missed. Yoko hits the ring post, and then Savio Vega gets himself back in the ring before the 10 count, earning himself a count-out victory. Uh, Felt that was a little bit of a letdown, considering he wouldn't let IRS get counted out, but he's still moving on.
1: Yeah, I can't. I I have a feeling that the only way, they they wanted to use Yoko afterwards, so I bet they they kind of thought, all right, we better book this as a count-out. And then probably Pat Patterson or someone pointed out that they couldn't have two count-outs in a row.
0: No spoilers again, but there's a match that ends in a draw on this show that really shouldn't have done. Lex and Yoko would have been perfect for that bracket.
1: Yeah, and then you could have they could have spun the program back up, like I said in the intro, and then uh, Lex probably wouldn't have left. And then you've got an entirely different landscape. Now, I'm saying it'd be better, given I've only ever read like forums and uh, dirt sheets and Power Slam magazine explaining what Lex was. You don't really get a very good... Uh, Description of him, but I actually watching him. You know, I can see how it works. I don't know how it works because he can't promo for shit, but he's good and I don't know why. <laughs>
0: well, I've got nothing to add to that, that'll do for me. Um, we get a Jerry the King Lawler promo, which is basically just his dirty feet. What did you think about that?
1: It, it, it's no, I just put uh, the 995 is a very weird time. It was uh, the thing is, I think people, and it's not a, a new thing, but Lawler is actually very good, but. It's kind of a shame that for 20 years he's, well, probably less that, 15 years, he's been a commentator
0: and that's all he has. When he
1: came back after his heart attack, I mean, he he could be nothing but a babyface and he just never worked.
0: He's one of them where I think his matches work better when he's a babyface because he does less of the offense and a lot less stalling. But his promos and his character is a lot better as a heel. Definitely So we go into the second match of the evening uh, Or third match if you're watching on the network now And we've had two Savio Vega matches And now we're really stepping up the quality It's going to be Bob Spark, plug Holly Up against the roadie
1: Yeah, that's that's the level of quality You can only get in this pay-per-view
0: Roadie's <laughs> out with Jeff Jarrett Who hasn't made the show Another <laughs> head sort of baffling absentee here um, Would have been a much better bet than the roadie To carry through some of these matches
1: I, again, I don't, I don't understand the choice there. It's, I mean, they're, they're obviously teaming together at this point. So somebody looked at that and went, no, no, we'll, uh, we'll put uh, the roadie in instead. Unless, again, they didn't want to lose Jeff's heat. Not that he seems to have a lot.
0: No. And um, Bob Holly comes out with the world's faker smile. If you know anything about Bob Holly, you know he did not mean that smile.
1: No, no, I love it. It's great.
0: (laughs) So awkward as a baby face. It's just... It's just... Hardcore Holly was his gimmick because it was was him. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it works best, isn't it? We get opened up with a a power slam by Bob Holly very early for a two count, a shoulder block for a two count, a sunset flip for a two count, a small package for a two count before the roadie realises one of these twos is going to turn into three and heads out the ring for a powder.
1: Yeah, it's... uh... It's uh, heel work
0: 101 isn't it Yep uh, We then come back in the ring We get a nice hip toss from Holly Another slam for a two count And this two count brings out One of my favourite ever lines on commentary No it's not with God as my witness it's broke. He's broken in half It's he got him he got him No he didn't get him
1: <laughs> it's, it, You get immune to it after a bit But
0: when, when the pay per view is still in it's infancy It still gets you It's a staple of my childhood that comment so we go from there. We've got a, a roadie blocks a rana with a power bomb, which was a really cool spot. Um, and then we've got a chin lock from the roadie. So followed up with a slightly less impressive spot.
1: Bob. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know they need a chin lock to, you know, a bit of a rest hold, but sometimes the where, where they decide to do
0: it sometimes is baffling to me. Absolutely. Um, Bob Holly hits another schoolboy for a two count, so it's near Fall City here. Um, Rody comes back with a clothesline and Bob Holly backdrops a Rody out of a pile driver attempt before hitting a flying head scissor and a really great Bob Holly dropkick. So it's up there with the Randy Orton dropkick, the Bob Holly one.
1: It's the dropkick when you uh, mark every other dropkick against, I think.
0: And he tries to get the crowd going with a clap and fails miserably because they do not give a shit.
1: <laughs> it's always sad to
0: watch that. And we get another power slam for a two count. Um, And then a really terrible finish. Bob Holly catches a boot coming off the top rope in one of them flying nothings. And then the roadie pins him. Bob Holly clearly kicks out at two and the ref goes, no, this match is shit, ring the bell.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's such an anticlimactic ending. I mean, let's face it, it's not a great war, but they get to the end of it and then they even botch the ending.
0: And the commentators don't really go on about what a absolute travesty that call is either just sort of let hang there isn't it
1: yeah yeah it's like well that went wrong but we'll never no one will never be able to go back and watch this except on video because the internet is only fledging and we've not thought about the network so people can do podcasts to review it
0: <laughs> well you know if they were that far ahead of their time then i could understand there's actually a moment on the show that's about to come out before this one where Vince is quite ahead of his time. So keep your ears pricked and see if you can spot that. The idea
1: of Vince not living in like a 1980s bubble uh, from all the stories you ever read about him, just kind of the idea that he does know all modern cons, all mod cons is one I can't really comprehend.
0: Um, Todd Pettengale now is backstage with Shawn Michael who looks like a fucking prick. He's just got one of them, the classic Shawn Michaels outfit that's all little tiny mirrors all over him. He just looks like a wanker.
1: It's like, what the very F? I, I don't... Uh, even in 95, I mean, 95 was, was, a, was, a, was a time where hair metal had died, you know, men in cardigans ruled the airwaves in America, new metal was about to start, and Shawn Michaels is dressed like poison from 1987.
0: And the worst <laughs> now, part of, about this is, you don't even understand a word he bloody says. They show the footage of him beating King Kong Bundy with the chin music, and other than the actual term "sweet chin music," I didn't pick up a word of what Shawn Michaels said here.
1: No, no, it's just mumble, mumble, mumble. I don't know. I, I literally just—I I think I listened to it twice and like, yeah, I give up.
0: I am slightly concerned about his well-being watching that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's—it's it's about the right time his uh, his demons start to take
0: effect. Yeah, so be in, it would be interesting to get a proper read on that. Sadly, Shawn Michaels' book is um, very half-hearted, apologetic, with a lot of I don't remembers mixed in.
1: Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, it, it, I mean, the, the Shawn Michaels, uh, whether he has changed or not, will be debated by wrestling fans for a lot longer than uh, we've got time for. I, I, I think he probably has, but there are still times where you just think, no, I think, you know, just underneath that facade, and think... Old Shawn Michaels kind of exists sometimes.
0: Which is a shame because he's so talented. His matches are, have always been first class. And even a lot of his character work was first class. It's just a shame that the rest of this went on with it, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the whole click thing, uh, I don't think it necessarily did anyone any good. And even if you listen to Kevin Nash explaining it on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast a few years back, you're still like, yeah, but you were kind of... Ruining other people's careers while you were doing it.
0: So that, of course, takes us into our next contest, which is Shawn Michaels up against the Supreme Fighting Machine, Kama, a.k.a. Papa Shango, a.k.a. The Godfather, a.k.a. The Good Father, a.k.a. Charles Wright. A man of many gimmicks. Yes, and all of them made for excellent action figures, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the, he, he, I hadn't realised how sort of like big a guy he was until he comes out as Kama the Fighting Machine.
0: Oh, yeah, he he looks mean here. And very probably this is a gimmick that was a little bit ahead of its time, really. It was a very UFC-inspired gimmick before UFC had caught on mainstream.
1: Yeah, I think uh, they had the idea for the gimmick. He didn't catch on, and then they bring Ken Shamrock in probably two years later, because that's when he finally uh, catches on. And they just go, we'll just get the UFC champion. We'll stab him.
0: Um, so the, before the match gets underway, Kama throws out the wreath that's been left for him by the Creatures of the Night. Um, obviously, his ongoing feud with the Undertaker here, and they were a couple of scary-looking fans. More than likely, plants.
1: Ooh, it's it's uh, it is they're uh, they're special-looking.
0: <laughs> and he's wearing the they... sh- the chain, which was the melted-down urn. Do you remember anything about that?
1: I, uh, only from what I've read about uh, the power of the Undertaker.
0: There's nothing weirder than seeing him carry the chain as though it's still the urn. The Undertaker when he gets it back.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not right. It should immediately just turn back to the urn via the power of magic.
0: <laughs> we get underway here, and it's a pretty quick start, actually. Sean goes into a headlock, but just to sort of set up his next move, and he's coming in with some sort of punch and moves and just having Kama chase him around the ro- the ring, which is a good story to tell early on. He gets thrown over the top rope, and in classic Shawn Michaels fashion skims the cat. Uh, but as he comes off, the, the top rope, Shawn Michaels finally gets caught with a shot by Kama, who hits him with a lovely gut punch that Sean sells like a champ. You can't,
1: you can't knock ninety Sean, I think we showed you earlier, but he is a hell of a wrestler.
0: They end up on the outside, and Kama runs Sean into the post, before throwing him back in and starting the beat down on HBK. It's a little bit too methodical for my liking, especially since it's a first round match. Um, but they put HBK face down over the ropes. He lays him sort of if you think about the, the classic Shawn Michaels pose on the turnbuckle where he's lay across the two ropes, then flip him and make him be upside down, that's how Kama sets him up. And he nails him with three uppercuts to the ribs, which looks really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it made me wince. Yeah, Shawn sells it like a boss. Um, Shawn reverses an over-the-shoulder backbreaker into a nice-looking sort of modified Northern Lights suplex, which gains him a two-count. And we get our first spotting of Vlad the Superfan ringside in his lovely blue king of the ring matching shirt and hat combo so he's a staple at many '90s shows if you haven't seen him he's the um slightly tanned guy short buzz hair with glasses and he's normally in a tank top in the front row i think i also
1: noticed uh ecw found the one that with the big uh i was gonna say looks like the guitarist from faith no more but that's a ridiculously niche reference
0: it's funny um, to say that because i think he might actually be known as faith no more guy yeah,
1: Faith No More guy. I'm sure I saw him in
0: the audience. I don't know Faith No More photographically, so I'll take your word for it, but I, I know the guy you're talking about and I definitely saw him there.
1: Um, I must have been a bit of a change considering he's usually an ECW show.
0: Yeah, so we'll, we'll get the chance later, but we won't jump too far ahead. No. Um Sean does his Ric Flair impersonation with his flip over the buckle and then goes out to the outside for a nine count, adding some drama there.
1: Well, I mean, at this point... It actually is, because I can't see any reason that Shawn Michaels won't progress. Yeah.
0: When we get back in the ring, Kama hits a nice spot, picks Shawn Michaels up for a backbreaker and nails it three times, which was pretty cool. Um, But Shawn quickly gets back on the offense with his classic springboard forearm. Um, And then we get our first shot of the clock coming up on the screen, telling us there's two minutes 30 left, as Shawn hits a flying (laughs) clothesline and kips up for his babyface comeback. The
1: thing is, the clock appears, and I'm pretty certain we all know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's the same as a TV title in WCW. As soon as the countdown begins, you know it's a draw.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it it doesn't take a lot. You either always have the clock on, not the worst idea in the world, or you flash the clock up during all the pay-per-view, and then it just makes sense. It's just, I don't know. It just, I don't like it being telegraphed
0: that much. I agree with you completely. It's ruined the TV title for me, and it, in truth be told, it ruined the WrestleMania main event for me as well. Yeah, Sean goes up top and hits a couple of axe handles off the the top rope before doing what every stupid babyface does when the count is coming down, taking him to the corner for a 10-punch spot. Yeah, yeah. You you waste more time, Sean, because that's going to help. Yep. Kama rolls through a crossbody and gets a pin for a two count before Sean hits a small package for a two count. The clock's counting down and a sunset flip attempt by Shawn Michaels is saved by the bell. No pun intended. And we go to a time limit draw.
1: Now, what I don't understand is if you're Sean Michaels, again, going back to playing this on the PlayStation, you'd be just hammering the finisher button for the last 30 seconds of this trying to hit Carm. It's not like he can't hit switch and moves it from everywhere and even if he misses, it's not a bad thing. It's like a lack of urgency.
0: Yep. I agree completely. And did you catch what the announcer uh, what result officially was rang in after this? No, I missed that. He says this match is a double draw.
1: A double draw, yeah.
0: I'd like to have seen uh, a single draw, how that would have played out.
1: I, I love the uh, the butchering of the English language that the WWE, well, WF at the time, does. It's like a weird wrestling version of 1984, where they uh, they just try and change the meaning of things. So they don't understand the concept of anniversary, and now we have double count out draw. <laughs>
0: After the match, Kammer attacks because he's, you know, not used all his energy in that, and Sean hits sweet chim music, and then shrugs as though he doesn't care, and that for me registers him in our dick move of the week. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've just got Michaels gets his heat back in the
0: easiest way possible. He just looks straight into the camera and does the, the, the shoulders and the face of Ah oh, well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like people have paid you've paid money. Uh, and it's not cheap. And he knows, for whatever reason, he's not going through, but he should look distraught, not like, right, I'm done. Where, where, where's, where's Kevin Nash? Before his match, I'll uh, I'll go have a few beers.
0: Yeah, collect my paycheck on the way out, thanks. Yeah. And next we get, um, I'm, I, w- I won't go into too great detail with this segment because I'm going to try and splice it in, but this is a segment that I, I still love to this day. It's Crazy Bob Backlund in Philadelphia, and this warms my heart.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, our cameras were out right about Philadelphia. It was a hot, hazy, humid day, indeed. Uh, but nonetheless, nothing will stop the U.S. Mail or Bob Backlund from campaigning. Let's take a look.
3: Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love! Have you ever scrutinized this city completely? Excuse me! Um, like I said, have you ever scrutinized this city completely? Have you ever looked in the streets? Somebody had to throw that garbage there. Oh no, it wasn't me. Oh yeah! Who did it then? It was you! Yeah. We've got John Barry here! No! Not Marion Barry! Washington? Are you related to George Washington? This stands for Philadelphia. We definitely have to change that. We're gonna put a gigantic carrot in there so you can have vitamin E and beta carotene running through your veins instead of the cholesterol filled Philadelphia cheese steak. In turn, I'm gonna reign like an eagle above everybody in the government establishment. Ed Kennedy, 40 years in politics. Now I know how George Washington felt coming up to Liberty Hall. Whoa, okay.
1: I I love his promo style. Every time he, he goes to speak, it's like they go, three, two, one, go. And then he pauses just a little bit as if he's like, I don't know what's happening, and then goes crazy. And I think I think it's awesome.
0: Bob Backlund to me reminds me of your dad trying to do Brian Pillman.
1: You know what? that's a scary thought my dad trying to do an impression of Brian Pillman. <laughs> I've always thought he's more of a Dusty Rhodes man myself.
0: <laughs> this is this promo is a reason why I spent twenty years wanting a Philadelphia cheese steak. Yep, yeah, it's on my list of foods to eat. My wife didn't fancy it But I thought it was fucking amazing And Bob Backlund of course Wants to ruin it by sticking a great big carrot down the middle He, he, he saw it through Yeah oh yeah he definitely had something to go with there So that that was a, a rare highlight On this show And then we go on to our next match Which is Mabel up against The Undertaker This was one I had high hopes for um, If you haven't figured out by listening to the show by now My favourite of all time is The Undertaker And I've pretty much loved him since his debut
1: you can't argue with that. In fact, when he came back on Raw on Monday, it's like, it's The Undertaker. This is instantly better.
0: Yep. And we've got that Stephanie that we talked about at the start of the show interviewing Mabel in the aisle, and he's, he says he's going straight to the final. Pretty Stephanie.
1: Yeah, it, it, I, I don't understand his uh, promo, promo style at all. I, I, I didn't get it later on, not to give the ending away.
0: No. Um, Undertaker does some throat thrust to start And some strikes He's still very much in his early 90s Offense range here He hits three clotheslines And that's enough to send Mabel down pretty early And he goes to old school Which is still pretty current at this point in time Yeah, I think it's just called school (laughs) I'm glad you said that (laughs) I I couldn't resist I tried not to (laughs) Mabel botches a sidewalk slam Really badly And the Undertaker sits up Thank God he no-sold that um, get the classic spot where Mabel clotheslines take her over the top rope and he lands on his feet. Always love that. And then Mabel gets the Undertaker's feet tied up, um, knee, puts knees into his back, which looks really bad. It, it's not good offense at all from Mabel. Mo then distracts the Undertaker, and in one of his better moves, Mabel hits the big belly-to-belly suplex. That's
1: pretty impressive. I mean, you've got two big guys in this show, and I just found Yokozona just so much more interested to watch than Mabel.
0: Speaking of big guys and, and whatnot, he then puts on a modified camel clutch where he just sits on the Undertaker, and that's got to hurt because he doesn't take any of the weight off him at all.
1: No, no, I, I, I did winch.
0: Um, we get some rest in peace chance because the, the rest move here has taken quite a while. Um, back once we get some action going again, Mabel throws Undertaker to the steps, and then he hits a suplex and floats over, um, channeling his inner worker for a two count there.
4: <laughs> it's, it's a thing of beauty
0: Yeah he, 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 he floats over Or he sort of it's, it's hard to describe it any other way But it, for a man his size it's pretty good um, He hits a slam And then he just sits on him as well That's gotta fucking hurt
1: there, there are certain things that you watch And you can't work out how they're working it That's one of them The other one's when you get a big guy that
0: just stands Oh yeah When it's not near the ropes when they just walk over yeah. you
1: Because they use wrestling logic when they're near the ropes and they sort of like push down on the ropes to make them heavier. It's like, I can live with that. But in the middle of the ring, I'm like, that's got to hurt. There's no way you can fake that. That is a massive person walking on your stomach.
0: So sitting on him earns him a two count, which is pretty horrible. Undertaker gets out of it though, fires back with a clothesline before Mabel then interestingly brings out a pile driver for a two count. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'd, I'd be taking that. No, he's too inexperienced to be putting my head at risk in, in these days for, for my liking.
1: Considering it's banned now, the amount of people that just do pile drivers, like in the mid-90s, is scary.
0: Go back to the, um, the late 80s. Dino Bravo is the one that ruins the pile driver. I don't think I've seen that. He, he basically is the first person, as far as I'm aware, feel free to correct me on this, historians, but I think he's the first person to use it as a transition move. Really? The, the pile driver? Yeah, his his finisher was the sidewalk slam, which at that time was pretty cool. But he shouldn't have been doing a pile driver. Anyway, I digress. We're sort of going way off topic here. We get a double shoulder block, and both men are down. Mabel misses an elbow, and the referee bumps on an Irish whip to the corner.
1: Well, we haven't had a ref bump yet, so I'll let this one go for now.
0: Yeah, no problem for me. Undertake a big flying clothesline, and then hits a pretty decent choke slam on Mabel. Considering a, he's really fat, and b, he can't work. It's a pretty good choke slam.
1: Yeah, and there's no lot of room for Mabel to jump up next to the Undertaker either because he's so wide. Yeah. So that there's everything going against him.
0: So it's pretty good. Kama comes out while the referee's down, gets in, kicks the Undertaker. Mabel hits a splash as Mo wakes up Mike Yoda in a miraculous recovery, unconscious to counting the three count in a second or two. And that's it. Mabel's advanced. The Undertaker's out.
1: Well, I mean, all that uh, Mo did was pass him a power up. So it works.
0: This is um, a classic example of back-to-back fuck-ups. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker eliminated in two straight matches.
1: Yeah, at that point, you're looking at the rest of the card thinking, if I watch maybe the, uh, the Brett Lawler match, I can get out of here because the, the main event is probably going to be kind of a, just a nothing. No, it's got no consequences
0: yeah, the crowd are not impressed here. And The Undertaker stalks karma to the back advancing their feud, but this was a stupid idea. Um, from here, we go into a Hall of Fame video. So this is something I don't think I got on the, on the, the Sky version I had posted over as a kid. Um, we found out we had seven new inductees the night before The King of the Ring, and... Um, Savio Vega accepted on behalf of Pedro Morales, and I don't know if you know this or not, but knowing he was going to be going into the Hall of Fame, WCW actually signed Pedro Morales right before this, and that's why he didn't appear.
1: I'm not surprised. I mean, they they were starting their... Uh, well, the, the WWE would call it dirty tricks, but it's nothing that Vince didn't do in the 80s, so I'm just going to call them tricks.
0: Yeah. Uh, to make it clear, they didn't sign him as a wrestler. He was fucking old. They signed him as a Spanish commentator. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well,
1: either way, they'd have, they'd have, they'd have uh, signed him as somebody to sell popcorn if they could have done.
0: Well, I suppose, considering some of the, um, the main events WCW had in the late 90s, he probably could have made an event at a Starcade or something before they moved him to the announce desk.
1: Yeah, he could have. Uh, probably, he's probably a bit tall to be in the old age outlaws. was.
0: <laughs> we get a, a friend accepting on behalf of the Grand Wizard, who had passed away. Um, the wife of Antonio Rocca accepting who had also passed away the fabulous Moolah goes into the Hall of Fame, George the Animal Steel Big Cat Ernie Lad, and Ivan Putsky.
1: Ivan putsky he's uh, he, I, I only know of him because uh, I listen to the Law uh, podcast when review uh, pay per views from about this time and his son Scott Putzky has one of the most
0: ridiculous physiques of all time yeah he's like a, a midget Lex Luger isn't he Watching back these old Hall of Fame um, inductions, and I know some of them are on the network, it makes me sad some of the names that got inducted before the Hall of Fame became something worth watching.
1: Yeah, it was so low-key and, like, you know, sort of, like, there's some low-rent place they've got it in. And you think about, like, uh, some of the wrestlers that go in now and they get that massive ceremony.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have a few re-inducted with proper, proper ceremony, but that's a chat for another time, I guess. We go into our next matchup, and it's Savio Vega up against the roadie.
1: I'm not going to give anything away, but all I've got is it was a match. It's the best way I can say it, so <laughs> take it away.
0: Well, we go, we go to some more foreshadowing, as Todd Pettengale interviews the roadie and Jeff Jarrett, and they both refer to him as the road dog. Yeah, I noticed that.
1: Unless he was already thinking of that character at the time, it just seemed to be just something they threw in.
0: We've shit all over Todd Pettengale on this podcast's run, but we're not alone because Doc Hendricks, with a really good one of my first favorite night not lines of the night, you know, Pettengale is such a dork. Just random yeah. commentary. It's great. Yeah, they,
1: they weren't afraid of letting people
0: know uh, what they thought of other people on commentary. It was still all a bit calmy. It's great. Um, Savio Vega is all over the roadie early doors. He hits a hip toss. He close lines him out. Goes under the arm, and then we go for some roll ups for a two count before Roddy fires back with a nice swinging neckbreaker.
1: I was going to say, it, wasn't, it probably wasn't as bad a match as I've described it. I just think I was a bit numb, given The Undertaker.
0: I, I agree completely. And it's pretty basic here as well. Roadie's still pretty early before he had the character to go with him. He hits some nice strikes and a snapmare. And then he hits a second row headbutt for a two count, which was something I didn't know he had in his, his repertoire. Uh, before Savio does his classic Caribbean up, or Hulk up in in the Caribbean, whichever way you want to call it, and then Rody puts him down straight away. So the comeback there, until you're at main event level, does not just take you through to victory. No, not at
1: all. He was put in his
0: place. Rody misses another second rope headbutt. Savio comes back with an elbow and a slam for a two count. A pretty impressive big boot, considering his height for a two count. And then he knocks the Rhodey into Jeff Jarrett and gets the roll-up victory with the one two three.
1: Well, you've got to keep the Rhodey seat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you see after the match, um, Carlos Cabrera from the Spanish announced team comes up to interview Savio Vega with Razor Ramon stood next to him and Doc Hendricks offers to translate? Let, let
2: me get over there. Why don't you go for a translation? Carlos Cabrera now with Go ahead, Carlos.
1: Aquí estamos con el héroe
5: hispano del momento, Vega, Fíjate, estoy La primera vez. I don't know how I, how I got here. King of the I'll, I'll never be
6: able
3: to beat Mabel.
5: I feel so fortunate. The Mavis is going to wipe the ring with this. I've got a twist deal in handcuffs. All Right now, Fossil, Fabio, lo sabemos, pero todos los hispanos estamos contigo. Ahora tienes tremendo rival. Vas a llegar well a la final. Estás en la final, pero tienes que vencer al enorme Mavis. ¿Qué táctica vas a usar? Listen to give it
2: up now. He said He's really contemplating that. I think we've had enough of this. Uh, at least
5: enough of that translation That's what it's all about
2: Yes indeed ladies and gentlemen It's the crown Who will be crowned The next king of the ring will
1: it- I've got to be honest I thought this could also have won big move of the week
0: Yeah but it would for me If he tried to hide it in any way shape or form but Razor and Savio stood right next to him listening.
1: Yeah, because it's, it, it's, he's not really been playing a heel-heel commentator either. He just gets up and goes, right, I'm going to extract the Michael out of uh, out of the Puerto Rican wrestler now.
0: <laughs> the only real storyline to this pay-per-view is you're building up the underdog, Savio Vega, to make him a credible threat to the King of the Ring. And this is just basically Michael Hayes chopping him right back down.
1: Yeah. I mean, given some of the reports of Hayes' his activities behind the camera, of which I will not mention, uh, maybe he just thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, you've probably got a point there. I think you might have actually hit the nail on the head. We then go to our next contest, which is probably one of my least fondly remembered matches of the 90s. Brett the Hitman Hart in a kiss-my-foot match up against Jerry the King Lawler, and coming into the pay-per-view, the big storyline here is Jerry Lawler's not washed his feet for several weeks and has walked in shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting setup for, on paper, What uh, given that it's Bret Hart and Jerry the King Lawler, you, you could just say, these two are going to wrestle because they're wrestling.
0: Yeah, they hate each other, here's a grudge match.
1: It just doesn't, I, Well, I don't know, I guess it does add a little bit to it. It's just... I don't know, it's a little too cartoony at
0: times. Yeah. Um, we get a, a Brett promo leading into which is nothing special really. Um, just, just trying to hype up the match. And Jerry Lawler is interviewed on his way down. It gets a mic and heads into the ring. Says he's going to make the whole crowd kiss his royal feet, which is typical Jerry Lawler pre-match stick. Um, Jerry Lawler here, before we get started, I notice, has got the world's rattiest mullet. That is fucking awful.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not it's not as luscious as Bob Holly's from earlier
0: on in the night. No, it's disgusting. Once a match gets underway, Bret Hart's all over him early. We go to some standard outside the ring brawling. Jerry Lawler throws Bret Hart into the steps and then in a baffling moment gets back in the ring and hits two pile drivers not attempting a pin on either of them, taunting the crowd. Then picks Bret up, hits a third and waits for no reason. A long time, pins him and only gets a two count.
1: I didn't understand that. Actually, I really enjoyed this match as it goes on. But the the, the three power drivers, power drivers at that point were were death moves, you know? You got a power driver, that was it.
0: Yeah, and this is just yeah, not on at all.
1: This, again, to use the same analogy for the third time, and I'll try not to do it again. This is me playing a comp- uh, playing
0: on the PlayStation, and I know what button the power driver is. Kick, power driver, kick, power driver, kick. Some great PlayStation references on this We're going to have to squeeze some of this stuff in there (laughs) Anyway, getting back to the match We've got some big Burger King chants from the crowd Um, And then we've got Bret Hart is nailed With Jerry Lawler's boot Which he's taken off Goes to put his foot into Bret's face Bret blocks it And then, typical Bret offence here Headbutt to the midsection Hits Jerry Lawler with his own boot Second Second rope fish drop And a two count This brings out Hakushi who comes into the ring, accidentally nails Jerry Lawler by, uh, accidentally by mistake, that's a bit redundant, and allows Brett to go into the five moves of doom, or at least some of them, with the Russian leg sweep, the backbreaker, the second rope elbow, and the sharpshooter.
1: I really like Kushi from, from further on down the line. I don't think he got enough, uh, enough credit or enough time. I don't know how much time he'd been there before. But uh, I thought he was a solid wrestler with a pretty cool-looking gimmick.
0: I, yeah, I like Um Watching that end sequence, something that does sort of uh, make me t- sort of wish for, like the, Brett, the Bret Hart five moves of doom, they get shit on a lot. But one thing we don't really see anymore is finishing sequences. When I was watching it,
1: I think I think I actually did watch bits of this with uh, with my wife and I went, right, five moves of doom. And it's like, ooh, what are they? And it's like, it, it does make it more interesting because you know they're going to the end. It's, it's not a bad thing to have, have that. It's nice to have a, a,
0: a out-of-nowhere win, but sometimes it's nice to know that
1: they're going to the end.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Hakushi tries to make the save after the match to, to no avail, um, and then Brett takes his boot off, and rather than make Jerry Lawler kiss it, just pretty much sticks his toes in Jerry Lawler's mouth, which is pretty disgusting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty disgusting, but pretty awesome, I, I've got to say. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Lawler is such a, for whatever... Forever, anyone else says about him, he's professional enough that uh, if they agree to do that uh, before the match, that uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah um, you're gonna kiss me foot, and look, I can almost see Lawler going. I nah, tell you what, just ram your foot in my mouth because it'll look better.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean it's... that sounded a bit kinkier than I meant, but I think you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> well, knowing Jerry Lawler, I wouldn't put anything past him.
1: Yeah, that's that's another libel case waiting to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, allegedly. <laughs> and then Brett shoves Lawler's own foot into his mouth. As I said, the storyline is that his, his foot stinks basically. And now I've got to admit, Jerry Lawler at this point's in his forties, I think. That's pretty impressive he can get his foot in his own mouth. Are you trying to say that he's rather flexible?
1: Well, this is before DDP yoga. <laughs> J- Jerry Lawler never looks like the kind of man who, who went to the gym or anything like that. He just basically looked like he turned up and did a bit of wrestling.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I think a lot of them, Yeah, he, he had that typical 80s wrestler body, didn't he? Yeah, it's, it's like the Arn Anderson. Um, from there, we get a, a nice video package of the Special Olympics. Uh, WWF's always been pretty good with, with that kind of thing, so not going to rag on that at all. Um, before... No, before we go into our King of the Ring final, which is Mabel up against Savio Vega.
1: Just what everyone wanted when this uh, when, when this, came, this tournament came to start was uh, this final. I bet no one was looking at it going, ooh, I won't mind Undertaker, Sean, that'll be good.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mabel Savio was definitely the bracket.
1: See, we, we went on a bit of a side note here because I uh, was then trying to explain while this match was on the alleged uh, Vincent Sean stuff from the ni- mid 90s. Uh, and it was like, how do you explain it? how Sean got away with everything? And I'm like, well, there is a theory, but now we're going to have to Google it. And then after Googling it, I kind of needed a shower.
0: <laughs> I don't know which one. Um, makes me feel dirtier Out of the um, the McMahon sex theories The Sean and Vince one Or the Stephanie and Macho Man one
1: I, it, It's all a bit Wrong If we find I, out I, that I, Linda
0: had an affair with Mabel That will make my day though
1: Yeah I, I don't think anyone Would have an affair with Linda if, Unless she
0: we uh, <laughs> unless unless she... went to Linda and not to Mabel <laughs> Yeah
1: it's just, I can't believe, well I can't believe Linda's got enough char- uh, charisma to be able to do it.
0: <laughs> Canatonic Linda's still got to be more attractive than Maple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is no way we will be having an affair.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if that's Linda or 98 Kane.
1: Well, you know, you take your pick, they're both about the same. There's a little bit of Stephen Hawking in there, probably. <laughs>
0: And a Dalek. <laughs> so, as I said, we're going into the King of the Ring final. Um, we've got Bret Hart and Owen Hart coronations both shown. And then we've got Mabel coming down to the ring and he utters the famous line, which I still remember from, from watching this as a child. If the dead man can't beat me, nobody can.
1: Good line. Uh, it's one of those lines you were sure Elson used, but it's now being used. You just think that now. I would have liked that. So like someone who was going to go somewhere to be able to use that
0: line. I think that little comment, looking into the camera, is still probably Mabel's best ever promo.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: They show the Rocky statue, which at this point was outside the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Um, I've been to the Rocky statue; I've hung my Manchester City scarf over him. But when I went there, it was actually outside the um, the art museum in Philadelphia, so it's been moved a few times. But definitely a, a famous tourist piece in America. They don't miss the chance to show these things. Um, We get Mabel missing an avalanche early. Savio Vega with some chops and a 10-punch count. Mabel misses a leg drop. Savio hits a clothesline, and Mabel heads out the ring. As he's getting back in the ring, I curiously note, he appears to have Skeletor on his boots, which is pretty cool. I miss that completely. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, They have a little bit of a brawl on the outside. Mabel comes back in and slows things down massively, uh, putting on the longest bear hug I can remember. I I just have
1: Mabel tries to hook Savio into submission.
0: I've got here Vince McMahon says that there's eighteen or 19,000 in the building, and Doc says 19,767 officially. Which is odd, considering how
1: many uh, were mentioned in the uh, attendance you read out earlier.
0: Yes, a typical WWF trope, just add 10%, 20% onto every crowd. Um, It was 93,000. (laughs) yeah <laughs> I still like uh, call me call me a mark, I'm sure you will, but part of me still wants it to be 93 thousand. yeah,
1: yeah I, I just I, it's just part of it wrestling history. tell me tell you told me that often and I just believe it.
0: yeah, same've I've been brainwashed. Um, we go back to the action and there's a bear hug still going on and then we I'm sat playing on my phone doing everything I can to avoid watching this match. I turn back and there's still a bear hug going on. Yeah, I think I went out
1: to get more beer, which was needed, and got back, and I thought I'd paused it, but it just, they hadn't moved.
0: We hear, it's here that audio levels of my um, network dropped a little bit, and I was wondering if they'd dubbed over the ECW chance, so there was nothing really doing there. Savio gets out, and there's not really um, much of a pop for that, and funnily enough, he goes straight back in.
1: Yeah, it's like what you need after a bear hug is, is another bear hug.
0: And then, what you need after two bear hugs is a chin lock.
1: And I mean, getting Mabel to wrestle that many times in a night was pretty uh, optimistic. Well,
0: considering how to buy in the round before, it's really just your second match.
1: Yeah, true. And they
0: go into a lying position and they both have a long lie down. I think if they lay on the mat any longer, someone would have had to have bring them a cup of coffee and bacon and eggs afterwards.
1: Definitely. I mean, uh, th- this was Roman Reigns' triple threat level of snoozing. <laughs>
0: And then my network is no longer playing up, apparently, because the ECW chants come out in full force.
1: It's it's not like they're in a different city. They're in Philadelphia, home of ECW, and their main event is this, to a crowd that can go watch, well, 95. You can probably still go watch Benoit, Malenko, and Guerrero on a Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's it's bloody awful. Um We've got... The the chance, are massive as well. Um, The action does finally come a little bit stronger with Savio getting a schoolboy for a two count as Vince tries on commentary to just basically scream over the chance. And if you actually watch closely enough, everybody in the front row is turned around trying to rile the crowd up to get louder.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've had enough at this point.
0: This is not just an audible, but it's a visible demonstration of unhappiness with the Federation on this evening.
1: They, They fed them a few beers and they're rowdy.
0: Uh, the crowd riles up as Savio Vega hits his heel kick for a two count. The crowd actually surprisingly bite on the near fall there. The finisher, they thought it was going to be it.
1: Common sense says that Vega should win.
0: Mabel then hits a world strongest slam type move for a two and then hits a splash for the one, two, three in a very surprising ending.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense given the story they've tried to tell all night with, with Savio Vega.
0: Yeah, it, it's just awful. Um, then we've got Moa Mabel beating down Razor, uh, including a second rope elbow drop before the one-two-three kid runs out just to get beat down himself.
1: Yeah, worst uh, run-in for help ever.
0: Yeah, where's he been all night? Um, we then go up to the, the podium to have the coronation. Um, behind, the, behind the throne, if you, if you do watch this coronation, you'll see what appears to be Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks in a Chris Webber basketball top, so really dating this show.
1: I miss that completely. I, I, I would say i go back and watch, but I'm never watching this again.
0: <laughs> we get a Mo promo. He basically pronounces Mabel King Grimace because uh, he's a big, ugly purple man in a crown, and Mabel's given a sword.
1: Oh, the, the, the speech itself... Mate, Mo at no point just thinks right. I've been given this thing to read out, but I'm going to just cut it short because I'm getting pummeled with stuff from the crowd. He just keeps going and he keeps stuttering and stuttering and starting again, and it's it, it's it's just horrible to watch.
0: Yeah, you can tell how lack of en- how enthusiastic I wasn't by this point by the fact that I've not written a word down that he wrote. I've just written shit promo.
1: Yeah, I just quote a comic book guy with worst acceptance speech ever.
0: Yep. We then go backstage, Jerry Lawler's vomiting and eating toothpaste, trying to cure his mouth. um, And then we've got Stephanie asking what Ted DiBiase has planned for the main event. And then we get a classic Sid promo, one that I love and still remember to this day, where he's basically just going, crush, crush, crush. It's brilliant. It's so good.
2: I I hate to interrupt the the planning session, but there's a question I have to ask you, Mr. DiBiase. What What does your team have planned for tonight? What
3: do we have planned for tonight? Well, I'll tell you what, Stephanie. We very rarely give away our strategy, the Million Dollar Corporation. But it's very simple tonight, and we're coming straight at you. Big Daddy Cool, you and Bam Bam Bigelow. Sid, why don't you tell them what it's all
7: about? I'd like to, but, Stephanie, if I could have just one second of your time to make a reminder. Think about it, Diesel. What's caused you all your pain and grief? I'll remind you. It was a choke chokeslam that started with, and WHAM! You went down!
3: <laughs> crush, crush, crush. <laughs> I hear the joints in your elbow. Crush, crush, crush. And then you the two feet in the air. And you are dropped.
7: And then crush, crush, crush. <laughs> <laughs> I hear your elbow. I hear your elbow. I hear your soul, my friend. I hear your soul telling me the way you feel. You feel as if, as a child, as you was a child, as a big storm would come, you would, you would hold your mother for, for help. I <laughs> say the fear that you have now no storm, is not a storm. It's Tatanka, and it is Sid, and who does he hold now, Tatanka? <laughs> Behold Bam Bam Bigelow
3: for support. That's right, Bam Bam Bigelow. You got butterflies in your stomach. You're nervous. Diesel's not 100%. Well, Bam Bam, we've done battle before. But this time, it's on opposite sides of the track. I know why I'm here. It's all for the money. You, Bam Bam, you're on the opposite side because you were fired from the Million Dollar Corporation. Well, it's king of the ring. Today is payday for you, Bam Bam, and payday for the Million Dollar corporation that's right you see for the million dollar corporation the champagne is on ice but tonight you two you gentlemen are going to be on ice and you can take that to the bank
1: <laughs> i love sid and i shouldn't do it's like you know from reading everything how people describe sid As no one can explain why people like sid and then you're like well i won't and then you watch sid and you're like damn it i like sid
0: i love sid no knocking that oh. whatsoever
1: I don't, I I follow him on Twitter and I don't actually think he understands how it works, but even then I read all his tweets uh, in that kind of promo. Quiet, 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 loud.
0: Powering on through, this is the main event of the evening. It's a lackluster main event. Tag team main events typically have got to have four or at least two really hot combatants, and this didn't. It was Sid and Tatanka up against Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, We get a generic face promo from Diesel and Bam Bam before we start. Those two do not mesh, I don't think, in that interview. No, I don't think it was entirely by accident either. No. The heels jump the faces to start the match, and we notice Diesel's wearing a huge elbow pad. That's what Sid was referring to in his promo about the injury. Um, Sid rounds with half the front row while Tatanka's in the ring. And um, to, to, Doc Hendricks tells us they want to slow down the pace and take the crowd out of the game. And I just write down they needn't bother because the pay-per-view's already done that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, just, uh, I mean, out of these four, I don't know who you could get rid of, but say get rid of just Diesel and bring in... I can't think of a 1995 wrestler. Bring in Michael Wall Street. Just bring him back. You know, put him in the main event was the only thing that
0: could make this crowd any flatter. <laughs> yeah, it is fucking awful. Um, we've got... Diesel and Tatanka are going at it. Sid from the apron kicks the elbow of Diesel and then pulls his arm into the post. Tatanka chops away on the elbow and then spits right in Diesel's face, which I never like seeing. And we get a very brief Diesel chant, which dies out pretty quickly. Um, The heels just punch at the elbow. Sid comes in and misses a leg drop, allowing Diesel to get the tag to Bam Bam. He comes in and attacks the heels, hits a nice drop kick onto Tanaka and a DDT on Sid. Um, goes for the top rope headbutt and he lands it, but Ted DiBiase distracts the referee. Then Bam Bam, the fucking idiot, climbs up the turnbuckle to yell at Ted DiBiase on the floor.
1: Yeah, it's a good move there, Bam Bam.
0: Yep, and as a result, he eats a chokeslam from Sid, allowing Tatanka to come in and start the beatdown. And then Sid comes in and again continues to the beatdown to a completely dead crowd. And this goes a really long time with a big chin lock as well. It's boring as fuck.
1: I don't understand. It's just such a weird face team because he, Bam Bam is difficult to have sympathy for. He's not like. He's not a small guy. Uh, he doesn't really elicit baby face. He just. He looks like he should be doing the beatdown to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We then get a very lukewarm tag to Diesel, who comes in and slams Sid and hits an elbow but hurts himself. Tags immediately back out. (laughs) Makes no sense. Bam Bam's hurt. Um, Tatanka hits a body press for a two count. Another chin lock. And then a jumping DDT for a two, but nobody cares. A double clothesline, bam, bam, hits a nice flipping senton and an Enziguri tags Diesel again, who comes in with a side slam and a big boot, um, and then hits a very bad-looking jackknife power bomb. Uh, picks up off the pin to Tanka because he wants Sid. Sid walks off slowly, and the faces win by countout.
1: Yeah, as if it could have got any worse at the end of your pay per view out finish.
0: Um, it's a shit finish. And he just d- doesn't sell the elbow. And that's pretty much how the pay-per-view goes down. Yeah, yeah, it's... I've got, uh, this match is far worse than the sum of its parts. Yeah, absolutely. There's four guys in here. That's where varying degrees could all go with the right opponent, but none of them are the right opponent.
1: Bam Bam's a workhorse. Uh, Kevin Nash can clever it when he does, but he, he can actually, actually wrestle. He's not, like, completely talentless. And then the other side, you've got Sid, who is Sid... And then you've probably got their workhorse to tanker, and it just never gets going.
0: So that that wraps up the 1995 King of the Ring. Without giving too much away about which pay per view is going to take the gong today, was this as bad as you thought it would be?
1: It was about the level I expected. I, I think I had a little hope because it was a WWF pay per view, and there's always that. I always have that. I don't know glimmer of hope that I don't apply to WCW because. WCW has a very scary roster of people at this point.
0: I've, I've got an interesting um, relationship with bad pay-per-views because it was this one, which was the only one I got in 1995, and then the other end to that is December to, to December to dismember. I'll be dating myself a little bit here, but I used to pay-per-views in Australia on about 10 a.m., so I would set the VCR and go to work because you can't have Mondays off once a month to watch pay-per-views and more than that now. Um, And I came home and, as I always did when there was a pay-per-view day, would come home before football training, check to make sure that it taped, try and catch the first match and then go out to training, and it it hadn't recorded. So I thought, okay, no problem, I'll set it off as a replay at six, I'll record that and I'll watch it when I come home. Come home, it had not recorded. Turns out that they put the pay-TV company over here, Foxtel, had put a record blocker on this show. The first and only time they ever did it because they gave a lot of refunds including myself But they spared me and refunded me my $35 and I never had to watch December to member Which I haven't watched to this day
1: No, no, I mean, in many respects I'm, I'm glad that's so far down my timeline I'll probably be in a retirement home by the time I get to it So I'm looking forward to, to probably never seeing
0: it I probably could have reviewed it against this show but it just doesn't work for time So I'll re- I might review it against whatever TNA did that month That'll do it for King of the Ring, so all good there. One in the bag, one to go. Um, We'll wrap this one up, and we'll head over to see what WCW's got to offer with the Great American Bash. Can't wait. All right, so we are back with the Great American Bash 1995. Um, And just like the WWF, WCW sees fit to have a very lame introduction video with Flags and Americana.
1: uh, They're they're doing doing a massive massive high job
0: And we're told that Dayton, Ohio Is the birthplace of aviation So, very good Commentary team of Tony Schiavone And Bobby the Brain Heenan Can I
6: just
1: say, at the start start, uh, All all I've ever seen 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 Is like Bobby Bobby and and, It's like the end of their relationship relationship. Now, Now, I don't don't know know if they they hate each other other At this point point, But I I I love love their bickering all the way through This pay-per-view
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is actually a pretty decent pairing, Early Doors. I don't mind them together.
1: Again, uh, I uh, said that I watched this with my wife. She She said said their their back victory was just amazing. Bobby's sort of like there and and Tony's venom towards each other. I'm not sure you can make make that up.
0: Is there any greater miscarriage of justice in the world than Bobby Heenan losing his voice? Because I I miss that man's voice.
1: No, no, it's, it's just unfair. And And again, he's another one that the Fed should have on, I mean, I was going to say on speed dial, that's unfair, but (laughs) he's one that he should have an input because he can teach commentators and
0: managers so much. And he says early doors here um, that the macho man should beat up his dad.
1: Yes. Yes, Yes, he he does.
0: Classic Bobby to get us started early. And the first match that we open up with is actually Fly and Brian up against Alex Wright, so this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, gonna gonna get, get, well you we don't, don't think, think
3: you're going to get a bad match,
0: match out of these two. Two. And we've got the classic WCW Circle logo on the mat. Always love a logo on the mat, me. I love
1: that. I, I also love, love when you when go from watching, from watching the pay view how small, small
0: the ring, ring looks. Yeah, I, I, it's a bit of nostalgia, the small ring there for me. We get a handshake to open up, which is always nice. Mid-90s baby faces there on their best behaviour. Um, Alex Wright goes under the arm of Brian Pillman early. They trade some holds, some arm drags, some kip ups, and some cartwheels. So some, you know, flashy but not very hard hitting offense to starters with. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's the style of sort of like, like the cruisers at the time before it got uh, either too flippy or a little, little bit stronger. stronger. Uh, I quite uh,
0: like this match. So uh, Pillman goes for some good heads as a takedowns, a drop kick, and Alex Wright misses a moonsault in a pretty cool spot for early on. Yeah, he yeah, totally
1: totally really sold really well as well. well.
0: Yeah, uh, it's great. Um, he manages to get back up. He lands a nice-looking drop kick, uh, and a flying bods, body scissor to a head scissor hold. Like he sort of it, I, I didn't explain that very well at all, but it's like a flying head scissor, but he had him in the body as well. So it was, it was interesting. It's
1: definitely uh, got some, some innovation,
0: innovation there. there. They, they weren't, weren't
1: just going out to out have another match. match. I've I've, I've got, got this point. Motivated, motivated Booby can't be it because I mistyped booby. Bobby.
0: Alex Wright sort of backflip matrix out of an Enziguri position, which is quite cool. Brian Pillman hits a surfboard, and Bobby Heenan says, "Don't don't lay on him too long because Brian Pillman will get up quick and we'll get we'll get a three count."
1: Just you You can't
0: can't leave Yeah, and he says he Bobby Heenan actually when he does says that um, Pillman will get a quick three count. He says out of Nick Patrick, and then realizes it's not Nick Patrick and says, "Or Randy Anderson." Yeah,
1: Yeah, whichever whichever, doesn't
0: matter. (laughs) Pillman hits a nice flying head scissor. Alex Wright puts on a Boston Crab and then a small package for a two count. Pillman hits a huge chop and then an elbow sold as frustration, sort of an elbow to the face to come out of this sort of flippy offense. And then Bobby Heenan says, that wonder punk. God, he's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pillman's on the outside. Alex Wright holds onto the ropes. Pillman drags him out. Um, and then we get a bit of a slugfest on the outside, which is cool. Um, Tony Schiavone, early on in the first match, has said that time at least 30 times. Yeah, he's his stand-to, his go-to. Yeah, caught him with a drop kick that time. It's either that time or fans. Uh,
1: front, uh, back, back face front, front kick. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> a, I think <laughs> that's, that's the one, one I'm thinking, thinking of. of. Pilbin hits a nice-looking uh, gut buster for a big pop for a two-count. And then um, Alex Wright suplexes Pillman out to the floor. We get a baseball slide from Alex Wright to booze, which is strange. Um, And then a plunger from Alex Wright, which brings cheers, which is then strange considering the booze from a moment ago. Yeah, I don't
1: think the crowd knew which one was... was, Well, I I think think they they were both kind of face. so I think they were just making up up on the the fly.
0: fly. Yeah. As they're on the floor on the outside, I see a guy out there with a sign that says, Al Snow will bash you.
1: Yeah, I I can can think think of of no reason reason why you would take that to 1995 WCW. Because if he's in the Fed, he's Shinobi or Lee Cassidy at that
0: point. Yeah, I didn't think Al Snow had started at this point, so I'm a little bit confused by that. If there's there's ever a theory of time travel being invented in the future, future, maybe he's on his holiday and he's got this sign back. You probably find that like 1800s Nicolas Cage sat behind him.
1: Yeah, he's there. He's constantly eating his way in and unfortunately, unfortunately he's not anyone's life he'd
0: be dunked, dunked this in this pay-per-view, pay-per-view. <laughs> Imagine going back to that I mean, period of your wrestling. Just, Can wrestling imagine, imagine the opening credits, credits that you realise that, that pay-per-view view. that, that would definitely be oh boy <laughs> I'll just go back to the future, thanks or back to the past, wherever he's come from um, So we yep. we get a missile drop kick for a two count Pillman hits a nice suicide dive and then an axe handle off the ropes uh, which he misses and hits a guardrail Tony Schiavone says that Randy Anderson, is up to three. Um, and Bobby Heenan says that's the highest he's ever gotten. <laughs> On the count-out count, obviously. <laughs> they're, both, <laughs> they're both down, and we've got Brian Chance from the crowd. They both get up and hit each other with a drop kick, which they both sell, which is a bit of a weird move. I didn't like that. No, didn't he said Alex Wright hits a flying body press for a two-count. And Brian Pillman falls off an Irish Whip. Suckers in Alex Wright and hits a drop kick, and then a body press for a two count. Alex Wright hits a nice German for a two count. Blocks a sunset flip. Sorry, go on. Of course, course Alex Alex Wright hits a good uh, good looking looking German. I missed that altogether. (laughs) What what an easy setup. (laughs) And then um. Pillman goes for a sunset flip, which um, Alex Wright sits on a la the finish to SummerSlam 92's main event and gets the 1-2-3 to booze from the crowd again. Does this match immediately win match quality up against King of the Ring? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, this
1: is, this is, this is, this is WCW a, uh, pay-per-view, pay-per-view booking 101. 101. Send
0: out, out your, your good, good match first. first. Yeah, so that was a good opener. I enjoyed that. Um, And then we've got Tony Schiavone's been banging on in this first match about a lookalike contest, and I noticed in the crowd a guy sat in the front row that looks just like Big Bubba Rogers, and I'm thinking it's got to be him because he looks amazing. I I thought it was. was. Yeah, that's how good it was. Um, After the match, both of the the faces hug, which is, again, a little strange, but it is what it is. Yeah. Then we go into a, a recap video of the Diamond Dallas Page Arm Wrestling Challenge. Apparently he's the arm wrestling champion of the world. If the the storyline here is if anyone beats DDP in the arm wrestling, they get a date with the Diamond Doll, a.k.a. Pim, uh, Kip, Pimberley, Kimberley. And he always cheats. His arm. He beats Van Hammer by cheating. He beats Evad Sullivan, <laughs> which is the stupidest fucking thing ever. Dyslexic Dave Sullivan calls himself Evad. He,
1: he, he, he,
6: he can't make it up. He's just,
0: just
1: like... like
0: he's he's got, got a rabbit. rabbit. Why is he got, got, got a rabbit? rabbit. He got got a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm no. It's like, I'm no learning specialist, but I don't think dyslexia makes you mispronounce your own fucking name. <laughs> no. And I, I think it's something, something to, to do with, with like, reading, reading and the understanding of letters, not, not anything, anything else. <laughs> I've, I've met, I have met dyslexic people in the past, and none of them have ever called me eel, so I don't think it works. That <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, but just... anyway... This is bad. DDP before he's really sort of 96, 97, I think, um, push is pretty awful. I'm surprised they saw enough in him to go with him, um, but it, it definitely works when he gets there. But leading up, he's pretty bad.
1: I, I think his is a bit too modern to the time he's in. He's kind of like
0: Jamie Noble meets Tyler Breeze to me. That's a good mix. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the storyline here is if um, if DDP wins, he gets EVAD's um, rabbit, Ralph. I mean, I mean the, the stakes, stakes are high. Max Muscle is trying to help as well. He's um, DDP's go-to big guy. I don't know much about Max Muscle. He's in kind of the diamond stud spot that Razor was in in the very early 90s here, just DDP's side guy. Um, the, the long and short of it here is EVAD wins. The diamond doll is shocked. DDP blames Max Muscle. Um, they have a bit of a row. Then they hug and make up. Um, Max Muscle tells DDP it was the doll's fault. They lose their shit, and then Gene interviews DDP, who's not happy.
1: Uh, no, uh, no. I, I think he threatened, threatened special, special
0: abuse which, which apparently, apparently was okay in the mid-nineties. Yeah, it's on pay-per-view. If no one orders it, did it really happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's like, it's like we, we'll, we'll, we'll be having words about this when, this when we get back, back to the dressing room. room. <laughs> now <laughs> no, I don't no. know, but uh, I, don't I don't think, think they're right now. now. Let's put it that way.
0: I don't think so. Um, we then get a, <laughs> a match you've definitely been looking forward to reviewing with me. So, oh, yes. Craig the Pitbull Pitman up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, oh my God. God. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan is subbing for Marcus Alexander Bagwell, meaning double shit. We could have seen early early uh, Buff, and instead we're getting old Hacksaw. I mean, Buff, Buff
6: gets,
1: gets a lot of the stick, 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 but, but, but I, I seem, seem to, remember to remember he could,
0: could wrestle. I agree. I try to see, and see the, best the best in people, but Hacksaw Jim, Hacks Jim Duggan—I Duggan, don't, I don't get it. it. Um, the opposite of seeing the best in them here. My first note is: I hate every single person that cheers for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm not joking. I fucking hate you. I, I, I listed I
1: the out the three moves you would, would do with, uh, before the match started, which is obviously a USA, USA champ. <laughs> the second being <laughs> the ho. Oh! And the third move being
0: the uh, shoulder tackle. I think you still doing it as a finisher. I fucking hate Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> well, I've, I've,
1: I've got to give, uh, again, I was watching, watching this with the, the missus, and she just says, why is Hacksaw Jim Duggan wearing mantis? Because <laughs> <laughs> his pants are
0: ridiculous. Oh, yeah, he's, he's getting out of shape and he's trying to cover it. You know, you at, know at that, that point,
1: can, you, can you can just change, change your outfit or go to the gym.
0: He had a different outfit before he came to WCW. He had the, the American flag singlet. Yes, yes he did. I've, I used to have that bro. Oh, He's, he's like, like the Lord little child Savage and DBS, but without <laughs> any talent, if <for> you <laughs> They're certainly not giving him his moves or his charisma. No. So the Pitbull's a heel anyway. Apparently he broke somebody's arm on the pre-show. I was, I, I struggled to pay attention to this. Um, I've got here, moves performed zero, chance started by Duggan, three, crossed out, four, crossed out, five, crossed out, six.
1: Well, halfway halfway through through this match, match, I I had had to go go pick up 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 our takeaway, takeaway. so I paused paused it on on Jim Jim Duggan, went out, got the takeaway, can't quite quite remember what it is, but I believe he had a batting on it, came back, and And when when I walked in, in, again, again, I thought thought the match was was just still running, and then... Duggan,
0: Duggan was going slow and then I realized I left him on for 10 minutes, minutes so, so that the wife, wife could just view Duggan's beautiful physique. <laughs> he does nothing. Um, <laughs> eventually. But he's, but he's not hiding
1: for, for the car to get away with it, it. Just, I don't, I don't understand,
0: understand how he how, how, how he works. He's, he's, Duggan's whole shtick is house show match. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, he it, does it does well, well and I don't like. like Doesn't
0: doesn't work in that that time period I don't know know. He's He's just A dopey cunt Yeah Yeah yeah. Yeah. That's it it. He's He's a dopey dopey cunt cunt. (laughs) Pittman gets thrown out the ring Um, Duggan gets thrown into the post A couple of times And then Tony Schiavone talks about A completely different match um, To the last one Yes Tony you're right This is a completely different match To the last one yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, what you've, you've done, done is, is you've put, put back back him absolutely done out in 1995. 1995. Yep. against Craig Pittman. Now, Craig Pittman isn't exactly a mat master himself. It's, it's not, not like you put him out against someone who could wrestle can who could bounce off
0: him. him. Correct. And that leads us to punches and pretty shit leg rest hold. Yeah, yeah this, this is not, not a classic. We get a spinning toe hold which uh, leads to a kick to the outside botched really badly that the brain tries to cover. Duggan gets back in, hits a slam and a clothesline and then goes to the three-point stance, which is the hottest sequence of action of the entire match. As he comes in from the charge, Pittman takes him down with his code red armbar and in typical Hacksaw Jim Duggan fashion, he gets to the ropes and Pittman holds on for the disqualification victory, so a non-finish in a Duggan match. That pretty much rounds up the checklist of Hacksaw Jim Duggan moments. Well, he's He's not not going to lose, lose. he's too too important. important. (laughs) Yeah, building him up, this hot youngster. I don't I
1: understand,
0: understand how he gets, gets away, away with it. He, he's getting not gets away with it through night five, night six. I'm not, not
1: sure if he's been on night seven, but if he is, the chances of him losing cleanly are, are, are slim.
0: Yeah, I think he actually runs almost all the way through because he joins Team Canada with Lance Storm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. does. Uh, from there, well, the less said about this match, the better. Actually, no, I tell a lie. We have to give it the hammerlock rating. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go a
1: good eight. eight I, think. I think it's, it's just, just shit. shit. I'm. It's, it's not even matched. You can put, put, me, put out me out there, there and have to do more.
0: Yep, I'm gonna give this a, a pretty solid nine out of ten on the Hamlock scale. This is one of the worst matches I've watched on the podcast. It's fucking awful.
1: There is no, no better summing up than it's fucking awful. <laughs>
0: From there we go to what could be a light at the end of this tunnel. It's Mean Gene Oakland with the Blue Bloods, a.k.a. uh, Lord Stephen Regal, now William Regal, and Earl of Eaton, Sir Bobby, um, a.k.a. Bobby Eaton. I couldn't couldn't remember his his name, but I've just got Earl,
6: NWA
0: wrestler. (laughs) No, Bobby Eaton's a pretty big staple of the late 80s, early 90s in NWA, WCW. Um, And in this promo... This is a bit of a surprising one. They compare the Nasty Boys to Hitler.
2: All right, let's go to Mean Gene Oakland. I thank you very much, Tony Schiavone. I'm back here with the Blue Bloods. By the way, they're going to be facing the Nasty Boys momentarily with the WCW Tag Team titles. They are Lord Steven Regal, oh, with that smirk on your face, and, of course, Robert Erleveit. Now, uh, Robert, you prefer if I call you Bob? What, what, what,
4: Excuse me, Mr. Oakland. please. My learning colleague has a lot more things on his mind. Let us put this situation like a little case in history. In 1945 in May, Adolf Hitler sat next to Joseph Goebbels in the bunker, and he said, "You know, Joseph, I think we've blown it." And that's exactly what these two fat lowbreds, these gutter snipes, have done. They have blown it. They do not realise what they have got themselves into. They are in for the thrashing of their lives. They have no concept of the pain the torture and the embarrassment that they are going to receive at the hands of the two greatest noblemen that ever graced this shore. May
2: I interrupt you just a second uh, for the for the record, gentlemen. Let's go back to Slammery. You ambushed the Nasty Boys from behind, and you've had a couple of subsequent meetings, and I don't think things are probably going to go tonight exactly the way you're planning in all due respect, when, at the risk of sounding negative.
4: When you are in this country of decadence and debauchery and violence where your children grow up in violent society, sometimes violence is the only thing that gets people's attention myself and the good earl my learning colleague here had to bring attention to ourselves we have shown the world and we have shown wcw that there is no one better and no one more qualified for a shot at the world's tag team championship the only reason that the nasty boys are the tag champions at the moment is because there isn't another team capable of beating them. That shows how pathetic the other teams are here in World Championship Wrestling. And believe me, it's only a matter of time before you have two gracious athletes as your champions.
2: You've taken all of your colleague, your esteemed colleagues time. I was going to ask him a couple of questions, especially about your recent travels to Great Britain. I thank you very much. Lord Stephen Regal well, and on. Robert World of Eaton. Run along now. Thank you, boys.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it's like, uh, that's acceptable, we're just, just going to do it. This <laughs> so match is Harlem Heat up against Bunkhouse, Buck and Dick Slater. And this one was set up when Colonel Robert Parker kissed Sherry on the pre-show and she didn't like it and gave him a slap.
1: The one thing I love about uh, wrestling is they live in a world where they don't book their matches before they arrange a show. So, And it's still they use it now. It's like tonight, tonight you will face Roman and the main event. It's like, you've got that sort before the show starts?
0: You would think so. I mean, I, I actually, that, just to spin off a little bit there, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about the timeline is when they say what you're going to see next week. So like, like
6: you look into, into a bit more,
1: it makes, makes you think, think that they know, know what, what they're, they're
0: doing. Yeah, the whole everything's chaotic, nothing chaotic springs to mind. Like, we know how the show's going to open, we know how the main event's going to be booked, and we know what's going to go in the middle.
1: Yeah, but it, because, because they, they think it's chaotic, chaotic it's, it's, like, it's like it's the, the same formula you've been following since... since Probably, Probably ninety-seven. 7 it's, yeah. it's, it's not chaotic, chaotic if we know what's going what going to happen, happen, if, that's if that's how we're
0: going to do it. it. Absolutely. So this match gets started with a brawl. Um, Stevie gets on Dick Slater early with a slam, and then one for Bunkhouse Buck as well. Booker T comes in, as does Buck, and we get a huge axe kick from Booker T, followed by a pump kick from Booker T, and then a drop kick from Booker T. So he's rounding out the kicks here. Yeah, he got,
1: he got in early. early.
0: Dick Slater comes in and hits a nice drop-toe hold before Booker T hits the full arm drag and twist that time, fans. Yeah, it
1: just in case case anyone falls
0: asleep. Um, Buck hits a clothesline for a two. And then one of my least favourite spots in wrestling, Um, Booker T gets a small package on Bunkhouse Buck, um, but the referee's distracted, so Colonel Robert Parker comes in and pushes them over the other way. So Booker T has him pinned, but... Is able to be rolled over easily by a manager, and then doesn't kick out. As Parker gets out, Sherry gets back in and undoes the roll and rolls them back the other way without any resistance from Buck. And then that actually gets as a three count in a rare wrestling logic finish. It's,
1: uh, it's a good sneaky, sneaky
0: win. win. Yeah, I just I, the whole you're being pinned when you've not been hit with a move and you're not going to kick out is just stupid. I don't, I don't understand, understand.
1: again, it, for, for me it doesn't, doesn't make any sense in who the they're trying to
0: protect.
1: Because the, the two, two uh, Dick Slater and Bunker Cows Joby, aren't exactly not their rights. I mean, they're, they're pretty established mid-card wrestlers at this point. And, and you thought, thought they, they were trying to push along each other? the moon.
0: Yeah, I, I get your point. They're definitely, it's, they're just, they're not, they're not pushing anybody. It's the not, mid-90s equivalent of 50-50 booking.
1: Yeah, because, because at, the point, point, at that point, point I, I think Oliver Heat, Heat are still, still quite a, a big tag but they, they could, could probably get, get more from cheating, cheating to win properly than kind of half-ass
0: cheating. you do properly. Agree. So we'll move on to the next part of the show is a video of Vader being interviewed by Nick Bogwinkle and Eric Bischoff. And then Hogan comes out and there's a bit of a pull-apart brawl. Um, Sorry, we've got Nick comes out and interviews with the announcers. Oh, Nick Bockwinkel comes out and he's interviewed by the announcers, and he forgets the next pay per view when announcing a cage match at Bash at the Beach for the title.
1: It's, it's not sweet.
0: Not good at all. You could see why he didn't last much longer, Nick Bockwinkle.
1: Yeah, it was just changed from, from all the, counsel, the He's a pretty good, good
0: talker. Yeah, in, he's one of them that he just didn't fit in the time period anymore. I think. No. no. We've then got Gene with Ric Flair, who talks about Vader and Hulk Hogan, then talks about Savage, says that it'll end his career, and he says that I'll take your wife Liz just like I did in 92, which is a pretty cool line. Yeah, it's, uh, I
1: like, like him the continuity, continuity, which, which is another thing, thing that they, they don't, don't really, really do in him. Well, besides, besides Owens
0: oh, and bit of a difference between Flair referencing his WrestleMania 8 feud and Vince trying to act like Tony Atlas really was Saba Simba. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've then got the Renegade challenging for the television title against Arn Anderson. If you don't know who the Renegade is, it's basically a cheesy rip-off of The Ultimate Warrior brought into a piece, Hulk Hogan.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty sad, sad, I think, because, because he's got, got a gimmick, gimmick which is designed, designed to, fail. to fail. He, he, can't, he can't win, win with, with this gimmick. gimmick. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, then what, what happens, happens to him afterwards, because he, he takes his life in 97 or 98, 98. Uh, mostly because, because of the, of the depression, depression wanting to be a wrestler... And getting getting this this gimmick, gimmick, and
0: then that was it. Yeah, it's pretty awful stuff. Um, and the gimmick looks bad as well. It doesn't, it doesn't do anyone any favours. And the antithesis of the Renegade's gimmick here is Arne Anderson, who looks like the toughest dad down at the pub after work. Oh yeah, he's always, always looked
1: at least 35. He was, it was born, born that way.
0: Arne <laughs> Anderson gets all over the Renegade early, but the Renegade fires back with a pretty botched ho-train attack, and then three big yeah. the clotheslines.
1: What's I don't think he's out for Renegade. He's wrestling, wrestling like Warrior, so, so even if he had any talent or uh, something to give, he's been purposely given the gimmick, gimmick of someone who, who wasn't known to be, to be able to wrestle. Yeah,
0: if you're going to copy someone in the ring, it wouldn't be the Warrior. No, no, no. no. You, you, would,
1: you, would you would stay, stay away from, from that as much as
0: possible. as possible. Puts on a side headlock and growls. We get a close up of him. Um, He's, he's um, very sparkly pink crutch, so Seth Rollins would have a field day mocking him there.
1: Yeah, the original, original sparkle crutch.
0: <laughs> he pushes Arn over, who sells the shock at the strength of him. Arn then puts on an abdominal stretch. It's a very basic match used to hide the weakness of, of the Renegade here. Arn hits an Enziguri, which the Renegade no-sells, and then Arn takes about his third powder in the match as well, it's slowing the pace right down, obviously trying not to expose him. When we come back in, the Renegade puts on a sleeper, uh, but Arn Anderson counters that with a nice back suplex, and then he's absolutely divine spinebuster.
1: There is few things more beautiful than the Arn Anderson spinebuster.
0: He only gets a two, and the crowd, seemingly disappointed that that isn't the finish, go for a DDT chant. They want the Renegade ended.
1: Yeah, they've had enough.
0: Renegade fires back, however, with an atomic drop, and then they clash of heads. Um, and then we get sort of a angle slam modification without the rotation by the Renegade. Picks him up, but doesn't actually spin. Just drops straight back. And yep. goes up top and hits a top rope splash for a three count in one of the worst... Um, examples of a worker carrying someone to beating them.
1: Yeah, yeah it's just it's a horrible uh, match and the crown, crown obviously want. On. on In, in this, this match, match although Arn is a heel, to the crowd is the face because it's WCW slash NWA fans who hate Hogan in the early 90s and, and the Warrior. warrior. They, they wanted to watch a different product. product. So, so they bring in someone to copy something they, they don't, don't like making them a face. face.
0: Yeah, it's pretty shit. Best way I can describe it: this is pretty shit, and it's not really fair on Arn. No, no,
1: not, not considering, considering he's not that, that, that far away, away really, really from, from retiring from, from Britain.
7: Britain. Yeah. Did you ever uh, have any problems putting you over Renegade? That one match. I didn't. Everybody else did. Right. Except uh, the people that put it together. And. Uh... <sighs> I knew, again, it was a it was a Van Hammer, a PN News it was right. a situation that wasn't going to fly. The poor kid, who, the kid was was a great person that I knew of, very respectful, very nice. He was put out there way before he should have been, and he failed miserably. And I think his failure, God bless him, cost him his life. And, and that's a horrible thing to say, but he was, he was brought in. Good Lord, it's Hulk Hogan's partner and he fell off the mountainside and nobody gave him a parachute, nobody even, you know, told him why and I don't think he ever understood how he fell so far so fast and I think, you know, not knowing him but I think it's a horrible tragedy, it just shows you what stardom
4: can do to you. All right.
0: Um, we then see the giant in the crowd, but at this stage, the commentators don't know who he is. Um, but in a foreshadow of bad things to come, Bobby Heenan says, he looks familiar. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it could be, be more wrestling, wrestling nudge, 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 wink, 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 wink. If, if he, he tried. tried. Although, well, look, to, to be honest, honest he's, he's probably as slim now, now as he is then. then. So, so, he's, he's doing well, well now.
0: now. Oh, he's looking good now, isn't he? I just, I it's like... like
1: I don't understand. I mean, it's on a side, side, but the, the big show, show.
0: If he stayed
1: like, like that size for the past 20 years, it would be like an uns. You could, you could book him so much differently because he'd have this tall dude who was kind of jacked. Now that's, that's something unique.
0: I just, I think the big thing is he gets slim when he's not traveling.
1: Yeah. Well, well I maybe mean, all in the stories we Mike Cassie, just eating
0: the chicken skin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would do that, but I'd balloon just like him. So, I'm only allowed KFC on a very rare occasion. It's, it's, it's the food of the gods. And <laughs> it's, it's now play only play about five
1: minutes away from one. one. Yep, it'd
0: be in. It would be one of the many things on my last meal if I was on death row. Uh, before we start, we've got a hype video from the Nasty Boys and the Blue Bloods, and then Gene interviews the Nasty. So, I've got a bit of a lame shouty promo. Nasty Boys never really worked as baby faces for me.
1: No, no, I just I, have, I, can't, I can't stand, stand the nasty, nasty boys. I can't stand the nasty boys. I can't stand the nasty <laughs> boys. It's pretty much my opinion
0: of the nasty boys. They do have a pretty cool theme song, which leads us out to the match, uh, and they're defending their tag team titles as well.
1: Nasty
3: sensation! Get ready for Pity City! with the nasty boys got a bad reputation when you see the nasties coming better change your direction everybody talks but we know talk is cheap if you mess with the boys we'll rearrange your teeth
1: Kind of why the, why the crowd might get behind it. But I, personally, I just I don't know if it's because, because I'm a bit tainted from reading behind-the-scenes stuff.
0: But I just—they they, they just don't do it for me. me. No, me neither. Um, the Blue Bloods. The announcer attempts to be cute and announce them in the British me- way of measuring weight, but uses the plural of stones instead of stones, so he fucks it up completely. Yeah. We get an outside brawl, nasty boy style to start with. No moves, just punching and stuff on the outside. Uh, when we do get going, Nobbs hits a backdrop and then the pit stop on William Regal. Uh, and then the same to Robert as well, to a big nasty boy chance. Regal. Yeah, Regal's facials after taking the pit stop, very funny. Uh, we get some more brawling and then Sags hits a pump handle slam for a two count.
6: Right now, I think, I think at this point, point I was contemplating, contemplating why is this
1: match, match still, still going. going.
0: <laughs> Nobbs comes in and then Regal as well. It uh, doesn't last long, though. He gets straight back out and Eaton's in. Nobbs hits a hip toss and a backdrop, and then Regal elbows him off the apron to the floor. We get some more crowd brawling. There's a Nasty Boy fan in the crowd wearing a tank top, holding a magazine of the Nasty Boys, and he's wearing a pair of specs with the flip up sunglasses. So that is WCW 95 crowd in a nutshell for me. He, he gets no perfect. perfect some, some 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 an era. Era. It's That's still weird to hit him. Sags hits a front slam for a knee drop. Um, And then we go to the fourth over-the-top rope of the night that the commentators talk about the ref being lenient for disqualification. No, you're not going to DQ anyone. Just drop it by now. Um, I don't understand understand why why
1: they they keep keep mentioning mentioning it because because people people have gone over over the top rope all night and it confuses anybody anybody watching.
0: It's happened literally in every match and every time they've tried to say the referee missed it. It's, it's like, like to drop it. Except they, they want to keep it just in case, case they, they want, want to do a, DQ, a, DQ, uh, a small DQ finish. Tony Schiavone actually said, the referee missed it that time, fans. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure, sure he did, did Tony. <laughs> anyway, Eaton comes off the, the top rope with a knee drop, which is pretty cool for a two-count. Um, Regal hits some good knees for a two-count of his own, but the match itself is pretty dull. And then a hot tag from Sags to Nobbs, who comes in and sl- uh, slams both. We we'll get a head clash, and Knobs is obviously moving into the position for a top rope move as he hits the deck. And then, sure enough, Harlem Heat come out, and my speculation is correct. Stevie Ray distracts the referee, and Booker T hits the Harlem Hangover. Unfortunately, as we go into the finishing sequence here, this doesn't allow Bobby Eaton and Regal to pick up the win, because uh, Eaton's coming on the top rope, and as Booker T jumps out, he goes over the top rope, which he didn't go to do at the start. He went to roll underneath before realising he was going to fuck up the spot. So he got back up off the floor, jumped over the rope, knocked Eaton off the ropes, and this allowed him to get pinned for the three count. People People paid money money for this. That was as convoluted as I made it sound with my notes. It really was bad. A bad finish to a pretty bad match. He didn't didn't add anything to the the match. In fact, it just was confusing confusing as hell. It sure was. From there, we go to a recap video of the U.S. title tournament that has gone on that will finalize on this pay-per-view. And I'll give you the brackets here. Basically, in the first round, Sting beat Arn Anderson. Paul Orndorff beat Johnny B. Badd. Meng beat Marcus Bagwell. Brian Pillman beat Bunkhouse Buck. Ric Flair beat The Patriot. Alex Wright beat Big Bubba Rogers. Randy Savage beat The Butcher. And Steve Austin beat Jim Duggan. In the quarterfinals, Sting beat Paul Orndorff. Meng beat Brian Pillman, Ric Flair beat Alex Wright, and Randy Savage beat Steve Austin. Ric Flair and Randy Savage then ended in a draw, and Sting and Meng will be the final of the tournament, and that will be held now for the United States title. Already, they'll bracket beat the King of the Ring, which is a pay-per-view entirely based on a tournament. They should have just had this on pay-per-view and annihilated the King of the Ring. I'd I'd, have paid money
1: to watch uh, Austin and Savage.
0: Oh, for sure. We've then got Sting up against Meng for the title, as we mentioned before. Jean's uh, with Sting, and he says that he's been here for years and he's held every belt, so good face promo talking about how he's going to win it. And then Meng comes out in plain black tights and no shoes, so he's looking like he's just popped out for milk in Brisbane. Yeah, but be <laughs>
1: careful, it's just so okay. <laughs> He'll fuck me up. <laughs> Meng will fuck you
0: up. He attacks Sting early with some kicks and a choke. Nick Patrick does four separate four counts without going to five and without disqualifying Meng. So some poor refereeing there. That's, That's Nick, Nick Patrick. Patrick. We get kicks, chops, and then a sting fight back and a one-legged drop kick, which was interesting. And a proper drop kick repeating the spot properly. And then Meng goes out with Colonel Robert Parker for a powder. The crowd's pretty hot at this point too. We get Meng chops and kicks and then by the front row, we've got a guy in a spray jacket and acid-washed denim shorts. So another 90s fashion plate at ringside. It's, it's amazing, amazing we get made made out of the no. 90s. <laughs> that's actually the guy that was holding up the Al Snow sign earlier, I noticed as well, so that's funny. Uh, they have some outside brawling here. Meng steps up and basically hits a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count back in the ring then a shoulder breaker for a two count, and blocks a sunset flip with a chop and a really good down kick. I actually enjoyed Meng this
1: match more than I thought would.
0: Yep, he's actually got He's had some good matches in his time, Meng. Unfortunately, next up after that very good sequence comes the nerve hold of Doom. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. Sing eventually runs up the rope and launches backwards, arse to face into Meng, and then Meng fires back after that with a headbutt off the second rope for a two count, Sting hits two clotheslines which Meng no sells so then he goes to a jumping clothesline and knocks him down, hits a bulldog, an inverted atomic drop and a cactus clothesline over the top which is still not a disqualification apparently. No, No, because for reasons nobody understands. understands. And that marks yet another match with an over the top rope move. Meng looks hurt as Sting gets the referee to go outside and check him so that was interesting to see that going on as well. Sting then clotheslines Colonel Robert Parker on the outside to buy some time for Meng who does appear to be legitimately hurt. And then Meng hits a post, and then we get a fish drop, and the scorpion deathlock but Meng does power out of the submission in a very cool spot. Even and if, if it hurts, he's hurt, be working through it. Yeah, he's a tough guy. Sting hits a chop uh, chop block, and then a top rope clothesline, and a top rope splash for for a two, which gets big heat from the crowd. So,
6: so, so
1: what you
0: want? You want the uh, about the, the uh, crowd for, for the rest of the matches, matches they really into this one absolutely unfortunately the finish is not really great as Sting hits a bit of an awful looking jumping DDT but it is a good a good match with a you know marred a little bit by the finish but overall definitely a good match with good crowd heat and two pretty legitimate contenders to end the tournament
1: yeah, yeah I, I think the highlights the problem, problem around a submission, submission move is his finisher because, because men would get, get nothing about for tapping out at, at least, least if he gets knocked out, out, out or you know with, a, with an impact, impact finisher, finisher you, can you can say well I, I it was, it was an impact, impact got in, in the world. World. Man's Man's out. Out. just kind, kind of ruins whole
0: Absolutely. But Sting is a US champion. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the match. And so far, it's um livened up the pay-per-view from what we've had for the last couple of matches. We then get told that Billy Ray Helms is the man sat at ringside dressed as Big Bubba Rogers, and he has indeed won the contest. And that they show... They show him in the crowd, and then just randomly show a few people in the crowd. And it's basically just an excuse to show a woman with big jugs at ringside. And Bobby Heenan goes wild on commentary when we see them. It, it, it's tonight. We then get a Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Ric Flair hype video, which is going to lead us into our main event, um, including Flair attacking Angelo Puffo, the father of the Macho Man. And we get Macho Man with Gene Oakland, and then just a basic face interview, before Flair and Macho Man come out, both to pretty decent pops. The first first question is, what the hell hell is is a Nature
1: nature
0: Boy? I don't know, but there's been a few of
1: them. Uh, It's 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 not even like he's just, just, there's there's one. one, I I I think think there's like three that I can think of. of, And and even to this day, I have no idea idea what he
0: means. Yeah, that's a question that will probably never be answered. I, I hope never, never is. <laughs> Macho Man brings out his dad and Flair hits the, the gas to run pretty much early. Um, he lures Macho Man in, but Macho Man still connects with an elbow and some punches and a nice backdrop, a clothesline, and then a clothesline over the top rope to the floor, marking this as every single match on the pay-per-view. They know they know they're not, have not have to, have to go over the top. top. We then get a, a cool Macho Man spot, which I always like, the axe handle from the top rope to the floor. Uh, but he's, he's I mean... He's, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, I mean
1: it's, it's been, been no known
0: before, before how painful, painful when, when Rich Flair takes, takes a backdrop because he, he always takes it sideways. Yeah. always makes me Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not blame blame back, back so. Yeah, good spot from both of them, though. Both putting their body at risk, for, especially for their age there. Uh, Flair then comes off the apron with an axe handle, and I've just got... This is really good intensity for a main event. I, I'll, these two always had good chemistry. Yeah,
1: yeah it's... it's not, Not sort of like, like, like strategical
0: it's, it's that thing, thing where you're you actually fighting, fighting which, which is a point of wrestling. Absolutely. Flair then hits a nice snap mare and a knee, and the crowd woos. And Bobby Heenan says, Isn't it amazing that the NBA Finals take a back seat to this? Um, I did a bit of research on that comment, and thankfully for WCW, the NBA Finals had actually finished. So they weren't taking a back seat, it was just over. And the Houston Rockets had won it in four games. <laughs> Never Now, what did I say the viewership was for this show earlier? Um, just flicking back through my notes here. It was 160,000 buys. The NBA Finals, which was a clean, clean sweep for the Houston Rockets in four games, had an average viewership of 20 million.
1: It, WCW weren't against making the odd white lie.
0: <laughs> That's a bit of a white lie. Um... <laughs> rick flair goes up to the top rope but is immediately tossed off the rope that is nice nice go. <laughs> and then he hits his famous irish whip spot in the corner where he flips over the top he goes out to the, to the apron out uh, to the floor sorry and he grabs a hold of the macho man's dad i
1: think, I think we, know we know where, where this, this is going, going
0: now yep macho man comes and makes a save and the distraction allows slick rick to hit him with the chop block then we've got... Uh, he slams his knee on the guardrail, which is a sick-looking spot. I love that. And a bit of outside brawling. And then they come back in the ring, and Ric Flair puts on the figure four as the crowd goes mental. WWE crowd, Ric Flair. It's just... Thing of beauty. They, they, no no matter, matter face or, or heel, heel, they always react. react. He's grabbing a hold of the ropes for some good heel heat, and then eventually Macho Man does turn it over and get himself out of the hold. And Ric Flair goes to the top rope for a knee-slash-splash, and misses it, um, gets the corner flip again, comes off the top, but Macho Man hits him with a clothesline as he's flying through the air, and then slams him and hit heads up top for his top rope elbow, but he picks him up off the pin for two, as you alluded to a favourite spot of yours earlier.
1: I would forgotten forgot did this match, but uh, yeah, just, 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 just pin him.
0: He grabs the ring bell, but the referee takes it away from him. Ric Flair rolls out the ring, Macho Man comes off the top and misses and hits the na- hits the, the guardrail with a nasty sound. A really good spot there. I'm one.
1: Surprised surprised he well.
0: Angelo Puffo comes up behind Ric Flair and chokes him with a cane, and Ric Flair, being the true gentleman he is, sells it like he's hurt. He's, he's never, never again, again sorry, sorry. Sometimes Some I think he probably, probably doesn't, doesn't do favors, but, but he doesn't, doesn't mind, mind, does seem seem mind, mind putting people over. And in one of my favourite spots of the night he just rears back and cocks him with an elbow. <laughs> He then decks the Macho Man with the cane and picks up the one, two, three for a really great heat finish to a good match.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, the, it's the, the right, right way, way to do a,
6: an ugly finish.
0: It's this. I, I really love the intensity, the chemistry, and everything about Macho Man and Ric Flair. And I was really shocked at how much I enjoyed this match. I, I've. I did love their program in the WWF, but I figured two or three years down the track, both a little bit older, both without the real proper push, but this was good. It amazes, it amazes me that Vince thought that Macho, Macho was done. Two- I mean, unless
1: like the aforementioned rumours are true, which I don't, don't think they are. I think it's just, uh, I think I think it's it's just Vince took, took against Macho Man.
0: even. The commentators hype the next pay-per-view, and then in a weird spot, Tony Schiavone tells Bobby Heenan basically to stop talking so they can wrap up and Bobby Heenan throws down his headset before we go to credits I love that, I love
6: that, 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 just, that was just perfect because even it, at that point I still have no idea, idea
1: whether they're, uh, they're acting or if, or if it's, it's like, like right, right, Bobby's chucked
0: sh- sh- his thing, thing down, down he's he's off, off the, the bar because he's, he's had had enough. enough I agree completely, um, not sure if that was a work or a shoot but it made for a good ending to the pay-per-view It's, it's something, something that
1: they can take and use in on the commentary team now where I know
0: that they're not hate each other. Whereas right at that, that point maybe Shibani even didn't get on it great, great TV. TV. It sure did. Uh, that wraps us up for the Great American Bash, so um, good good ending to the pay-per-view there at least, if nothing else. That's the two shows in the can, so now it's just a matter of heading over and picking ourselves a winner. All right, so we've got the five categories as always, but of course we're both going to have to have a say in this, so we'll have to see if, how we go with the five each. Um, first one I've got here is production. What did you, who did you think took the gong for production on this night? I
1: think, I think a, a lot has been said about, uh, about uh, WCW's production,
0: uh, certainly so this time period. period
1: I, 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 think I think the, the fan was probably slightly... it's just still, still a slicker, slicker machine at this point. I know I know, know that Ted Turner money comes in, comes in and, and uh, throws it on the head but I, I just I think, I think overall I think I haven't written down, down but I think they know just a couple of production, production flaws on, on WCW WG. which he, the, the, it was just the the Fed's machine is just are so slick. slick. i I probably give it the Fed
0: I'm actually with you on that one I thought the if nothing else the going from matches to promos and to backstage was all done the way it should be WCW had a couple of awkward ins and outs and um You know, a few little fumbles. It wasn't quite as slick as it would get to be once they got Nitro up and running. Because once Nitro hits, they're pretty much, they look far more modern than Raw. But here, the Fed's still got the advantage for me. So I think we've both gone WWF there. Yeah. Storylines, who would you go with on the night for storyline advancement? I
1: think
4: think for storyline advancement...
1: I can see where WWE is going after the pay per view like, the pay per view has god awful, but I can see that, uh, you know, Brent are probably finished. Diesel and shit are probably still going out of the program. You've got a new king the ring that seems to be pushing. The Undertaker is a programme program the Uh and they're probably leading on to I can't remember where that is. Uh, whereas, WWE besides, Savage and Flair. I can't can't see any any more storylines coming out of that. I think Uh, and the the Savage Flair storyline itself is good. I I I think maybe the fair but it's it's it takes by the the fact fact that Sabio May should win and he doesn't. doesn't. So sort of like forty nine percent W C W fifty one percent WWE but
0: it's it's not it's it's not not, uh, a hard set winner for me. I'm probably going to just slightly lean the other way, mostly for two reasons. One, the WWF used all their characters to get one bad storyline over during the night and wasted what they had in, in store. Um, WCW, whilst it wasn't storyline heavy, it did two, It did a couple of things for me. It did three things. Um, first of all, it concluded the US title tournament in a proper, legitimate way with, with a decent match. Second, it continued the main event and gave the heel a win without having to bring in tons of outside interference, without the face having to find a cheap way out, in a way that would garner heel heat and build to a rematch. Third of all, it set up a tag team title tournament on the show with Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys starting a program. I can't um, do that. Uh, you sway my opinion. opinion. <laughs> um, next, next up is characters, and for me... For all the reasons I just mentioned about the King of the Ring tournament, I went WCW for characters because I think the WWF wasted them all early and spent the rest of the show without them from their own silly booking. So what are your thoughts on that one?
1: Definitely. There's There's far more more interesting interesting characters in uh, in the WCW doing doing far more interesting things.
0: things. Perfect. Um, Crowd heat, who would you go with on the night? Who do you think had the the better crowd considering... uh, the King of the Ring had 10,000 more.
1: I, I think the crowd, WCW, I, I think for the Sting, Sting and Meg and, and this opener of Hillman and Wright, Wright and, and the main, main event flare Flair Macho Man, man I think I the, think the crowd, crowd is far more into, into it. And, and it, it doesn't, doesn't die, die given that they've given, given him Duggan, Pittman, uh, arm wrestling section and uh, kind, kind of a, a schmoss with the nasty boys.
0: Actually, Duggan, that's the only thing you can really say for him is he gets the crowd involved. So I think it, it actually kept them going, if I'm being honest there, with Duggan. Um, I think if you just heard the audio tracks of these two shows, you wouldn't pick which one had 10,000 more people.
1: No, I think, I think, I think Duggan, think Duggan, is, Duggan like is like the perfect wrestling
0: hype man. man. Yeah, he's, he's the Flavor Flavor of the squared circle. There, there you go. Get <laughs> Duggan,
1: Duggan, the
0: Flavor Flavor.
1: flavor. Um, um, if, if he's, he's on, on Twitter, Twitter, I'm willing to tweet, to tweet him, that.
0: <laughs> I think he is because... Um, Mark just sent me a link this week of him wishing uh, Tony Duggan, the Manchester City female player, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, the, the world of gym, gym, that's,
1: that's a documentary about the world
0: of Jim <laughs> <doing>. <laughs> So we go to our last category, which is match qualities. This is normally the one I like to sort of take my, my consideration with on the overall thoughts for a show because it's the most important for a lot of people. Um, I went with WCW. They had a good opener and they had a good main event. And in between, the crap was limited. So the people I didn't like, I saw once. What are your thoughts on this show? Again,
1: Again, got got to go with you. The The opening opening match match was was far better better than pretty pretty much anything anything that King of the 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 Ring ring had. had. Even Even like like matches that could have have been been good. good. You put put Michaels in in the match match and it's it's okay. okay. The Brett Lawler match is good. But you're You're watching it in the context context of all the the, the other shite that's been beforehand. And Uh, and Flair, Macho, Sting and Meng all were were good good, solid solid matches. matches.
0: They delivered. Perfect. So I think we're pretty solidly in agreement here that the Great American Bash, no surprise, beats out one of the worst ever WWF pay-per-views of all time. The Fed still had the higher production value, but what happens bell to bell was a really poor indictment of, of a thinning talent roster at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah they, they, they're, they're lost, is the, the best, best way, way to put it in. I think they thought they could elevate people and then, start, people and then start to maybe move the Undertaker. I don't know, I'm sure Michaels, I can't, I can't think of any, any other reason into, into the, the main, main event, but they needed to backfill the the midcard. Card, but they've, they've got Bob Holly's sparkled a sparkler, thermal, whatever gimmick he's, he's played. In. You've got, got the Road who's still three, two to three years away from finding his shit. And, you've and, you've
6: got, got, uh, and, and then, then you've got, got like, people like uh, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett who, he, he he could have pushed Jarrett in the same spot as Road Dog But now we'll, we'll give him the Road Dog, dog. I mean, it, it just,
0: just doesn't, doesn't make any sense, sense to me Agree completely um, Just no surprise really coming into the show That it's gone this way But it was interesting to see I think it was interesting to see WCW wasn't exactly hitting its straps at the same time and their win here with pretty handy numbers is probably more of an indictment of how shit WWF was rather than them starting to head forward. It's at least another year before they start to head in that direction and this is a this is a classic month of wrestling to see why wrestling in America was in the state it was in the mid-90s, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, now, I, mean, I mean, at, at the, the time, time WCW could a little bit... Of, uh, research and at you know, the, time the time they're, they're putting Doug and Pittman or uh, Bunkhouse book on, 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 on their pay view they've, they've got, got Sabu <laughs> and you know they could, they could have
6: put Sabu out possibly with Mr. JL and yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's like that's a, that's a, a four full star guaranteed
0: match absolutely so that's pretty much um, a wrap as far as these two shows go um, thank you very much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure to have you on no, no problem. problems um, anything you want to plug so, or any messages up. you want to send out be- before we wrap it up? Uh, well,
1: I don't I have a podcast, podcast but if anybody, anybody wants to uh, talk wrestling, I'm at Richie Rich Sexton.
0: Yep. Yeah. Always a good one for feedback on the wrestling, and certainly one of the best contributors as far as feedback and banter to the podcast goes. So it's been awesome having you on the show finally.
1: Right, it's, it's been, been good luck.
0: Uh, thank you very much for appearing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can catch us on Twitter, on 4CR, um, on Facebook, and now you can send us an email if you want to. As always, if you feel the need, leave no. us a five star review no. on iTunes. It always helps get the word no. out there, and no. we'll look forward to talking to you all again no. soon. because
5: right. no. what I want you all to do for me.
0: Back! Caught
5: you looking for the same thing. It's a new thing. Check out this I bring. i the role below the level because I'm living low next to the bay. Come on! Turn up the radio. They're claiming I'm a criminal But now I wonder how? Some people never know The enemy could be the friend's guardian I'm not a hooligan I rock the party and clear all the madness I'm not a racist Preach to teach the all op- because some they never had this? Number one Never wanna run about the gun I wasn't licensed to have one The minute they see me Fear me I'm the epitome of public enemy Used abuse without clues I refuse to blow a fuse They even had it on the news don't believe don't, don't, don't believe the hype Don't, 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 don't believe the hype Yes, was the start of my last jam So here it is again, another death jam But since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked They still consider me a new jack All the critics, you can hang on my hold the rope But they hope to the Pope and pray it ain't dope The follower of Farrakhan Don't tell me that you understand Until you hear the man The book up, the news Yes to them, but to me, I'm a different kind We're brothers on the same mind, unblind Caught in the middle end, not surrendering I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling. So claiming that I'm a smuggler Some say I never heard of ya, a rap burglar False media, we don't need to do In the daytime, radio scared of me, cause I'm mad, plus I'm the enemy. They can't come on and play me in prime time, cause I know the time, plus I'm getting mine. I get on the mix late in the night They know I'm living right, so here goes the mic sight. Before I let it go, don't rush my show You try to reach and grab and get elbow. Word to Herb, yo, if you can't swing this Learn the words You might sing this Just a little bit of the taste of the bass for you As you get up and dance at the LQ With some denial, defiant, I swing bolos. Then then they clear the lane, I go solo The meaning of all of that, the media is the wax As you believe it's true, it blows me through the roof Fuckers, liars, give me a shovel Some writers I know are damn devils From them I say don't believe the hype Yo Chuck, they must be on the pipe, right? they pins and pads I fetch cause I've had it I'm not an addict, fiend, for static I see their tape recorder and I grab it No you can't have it back, silly rabbit I'm going to my media assassin, Harry Allen I gotta ask him Yo Harry, you're a writer, are we that tight? Don't believe the hype Do for me. Don't believe, don't, don't, don't believe the high. Don't believe, don't, don't, don't believe the high. I yeah. got flavor and all those things you know. Yeah, boy, part two from rush the show. Yo, grip! Get the green, black, and red in. Gold down, count down to Armageddon. The S1s will Put the less in effect And I still will Rock the hard jam Treat it like a seminar Reach the bourgeois And rock a boulevard Some say I'm negative But they're not positive What do I got to give? The media says this Red, Yo, black, don't and green You know what I mean? Yo, the megas got them Going up to see cattle Turk Like a jerk And they out of work Let me tell you a little something, man A lot of people on daytime radio yeah. Scared of us Because they too ignorant To understand the lyrics Of the truth that we pumping that brain cells that they're under the wooden skulls they call caps, you know what I'm saying? But the s ones are straightening it out quick, fast, in a hurry.